Welcome back to episode 130, folks. Um, shit, man. This is uh, 130, man. We're getting up there. Really is it fucking raining? God damn, I didn't even bring a jacket. Oh, shit. Oh, well. Uh, well, folks. Uh, I have, like, some garbage bags. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, um, well, folks, uh, this episode is episode 130 with our friend Jose Burgos. Uh, he's a friend of mine from my old... He's a friend of mine from my old job. And uh, the conversation went pretty damn good because it flowed really. I remember we started talking about Guillermo del Toro, right. and we ended talking about like mental health and illness. Oh yeah, yeah and then eventually right, became right. global warming. And then Jose was telling us his story. Uh, it was a really fun episode. Too. That was a great one. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. And we'll probably have him back on uh, uh, sometime in the future. That's how we usually do it. It's cool when you have those guests on who. Uh, it's like it could be your first time meeting them, and then right. out of nowhere, you just become like it feels like there's a bond built, right? Do we just become best friends? It, yeah. Doesn't it feel that way? <laughs> I think it's like, dude, over alcohol and three hours long of a conversation and pizza Fucking and pizza, pizza, it becomes this is it becomes this like, uh, oh yeah, you guys just um, got to know each other, really know each other, right? You know? Right? Right? I don't know. Have you have you had that with other guests as well? Uh, I mean, the alcohol just does that. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I don't think we've had had any like bad ones. Like I don't think we have had anybody like that. Where we've never had anybody where we just can't connect. We've actually that's not true. We've had somewhere I just can't connect, hmm. and then uh, you know I'll just you know we'll try to play along or not to be rude or anything. Oh, I, I meant like in a bad way. Like it's just somebody not in, like not in a negative where someone oh, okay. got upset and we're just not clicking. No, nothing. Like okay, that. yeah, I misconstrued. You mean like more just like just trying to find like a common ground, like on just. Yeah, and, and like uh, like the, even the most abstract level where it's just not. There's two episodes at the top of my head, or two guests off the top of my head where it was just like, uh, uh, I was biting my tongue. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I know which one. But knows. there's never been one where, as long as people just, as long as people are just nice. If you're right. not a dick, just just to be a dick, uh, there's no reason for me to go after you or. But there is some, sometimes there's a reason for me to call you out on your bullshit, right? <laughs> is that is that? Fair? I, I think that that's the purpose. That's why we're here. Yeah, but I, I just reality. <clears throat> but I mean, I you know, there's those are still fun, and they're kind of fun to listen to in a certain way, right? <laughs> yeah, just for I don't know, uh, uh, just a retrospective. Uh, I don't know, balancing the universe. I don't know, man. Uh, but I think the um, like that the, the format for podcasting specifically is you're not only are you drinking through an alcohol, but you're forced to be without your phone for a few hours, and oh, you're okay. forced to engage in real conversation. Right. So about half hour to an hour into it, we're going to find out how full of shit you are, right? Eventually, because you're just, you can't rely on the, you know, the facade of society anymore, right? Yeah, this is, this is, yeah. This true serum, man. This Absolutely, the truth, yeah. The sodium pentothal, more like. Because even the other settings where alcohol is involved, either a bar, a party, a club, there's a, there's no real conversations being held. Maybe at a party, like a kickback, right? Maybe, mm. but that, definitely not at a bar or club. There's no real conversations there. They're just it's that getting to know you. Oh, so what's up? Or how, how you come here often? You know that kind of bullshit. Right, right, right. And that's if you're trying to hook up. Yeah, Let's just say exactly. you meet a, a, a buddy and you're trying to have a conversation and you're having like a, a he, the real monosyllabic tones, right? Like, oh hey, oh uh, yeah. How about those bills? Oh <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, how about uh-huh. those bears? Oh. Uh, 
you know, uh, I gotta uh, go. Team's going doing real well here. <laughs> oh, or even if like uh, like I'll go check out a fight at a bar, and we're rooting for the same guy. There's common ground there, but there's no real conversations being dealt right. with. Right. That setting doesn't allow for it. Uh, the house party may be a little different, where you can kind of see if someone's full of shit or not, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're able to have a little bit more conversations. But right. this is this just kind of. It's your all, focus, right? You you're you're gonna see. Oh, what are p- political views? Okay, what are your uh, musical standings? What you know, you're you're in it. You know that. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing because that's uh what makes like this thing like uh, you know effective. That's what it, it's because that's the whole purpose. You know, because it filters out all the distraction and it's really just to talk. Yeah, you know, um, there's no TV going on. There's no nothing. You know, it's just like talking and you're being recorded. And you're drinking, so it's just a matter of time before it just spills out little by little. This was my whole idea, um, you know, a little backstory, but this is when I was trying to be a pastor, you know, when I was doing that, mm. that youth, especially that youth stuff, because uh, it was just us kids. And uh, this is one of the reasons why they didn't want me to do doing it anymore. <laughs> like, when they, like, quote unquote, kicked out of the church. That wasn't really, but there was just like, hey, I was asked to stop, you know. But my whole idea was like, why don't we just have conversations while drinking? And <laughs> that's why I wanted it. Like, let's talk about this hey because this some of this is bullshit right you know and i was like you're not supposed to say that you know (laughs) but the whole idea was like uh i think this like my my theory was i think this is what the intention was of the church it wasn't supposed to be this whole organized religion bullshit you know this whole is basically a mini government right it was supposed to be uh like the first 300 years of his existence it was illegal peak but in the quote-unquote sermons were literally just people gathering around in a house underground uh uh conversing on what their ideas of what the the interpretations were. Right, right. That's all it was. And it was the same thing as literally just what we do here. We are drinking, talking about, well, what are your morals here? Oh, well, I, I think these are here. Oh, let's uh, push and shove to like, okay, this is what I think. How, what do you think about this? You know, that right, kind of right, 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 right. It's really just a philosophical conversation. And that's right. kind of what I wanted to do. Like, I think that would be more effective, especially for teenagers, right? Or like uh, well i shouldn't say drinking or smoking and then talking about jesus <laughs> man <laughs> hey, hey, man, i'm working on a podcast bible right now that, i thought i honestly i thought that would be way more effective for the youth uh it's you know these fucking old ass elders you know one get out you know <laughs> get off their high horses but i really think that would be more effective if uh, you know back then when i was a little bit more uh, uh leaning towards the christian side rather than just agnostic side right 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 <clears throat> I th- I really thought it would be way more effective to use to give him a, a a fucking bottle of Jack or whatever or wine. Let's say water and a wine, right? <laughs> or a bottle of wine, and then we just talk about like, oh, what'd you get out of this uh, parable or this lesson or this morality tale from the Bible? Like, well, I got this and that, and then we just. Tell me that wouldn't be a great fucking... Wouldn't you rather do that than church on Sunday morning? Oh, shit. Tell me about it, man. <laughs> Just another place to take a nap. You, you know? know? You know? <laughs> and uh, they didn't agree with me, I guess. The elders or whatever. The elders church, or, so, okay, or yeah. whatever the fucking... <laughs> the, the council. Fuck, yeah, whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know? Uh, but <laughs> I thought that would be a better way to you know get people involved in, in the... Because in, in the, in the, they can't make money off it. That's why. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. it is, man. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know how this view. This is supposed to be an intro to one thirty and hey, skewed off. Well, fuck it. We haven't recorded in a while, so let's do a yeah. little mini thingy. You know? Yeah, I don't see why not. They should have, like they, like they should have like bars and stuff. You know. Yeah. I think if you want to get like a little drinky on, you know, probably nothing too excessive, but I I really do feel the way for I feel the same way about school as I do for uh, for uh, church. Like it's great. That foundation is awesome up until you're like ten years old. <laughs> and I feel the yeah. same way about school. Like, I don't need anybody else teaching me. Like, if I want to learn 
further on a certain subject. This is regarding school or church, really. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll, I'm at the point now where I can take it for myself and then uh, and learn for myself. We're, we're we all have a library card, and now it's we all have the internet. So right. there's no there's no more further where you have to cram stuff down my throat. Now whatever I take interest in, especially in learning facilities, I can go and and learn learn myself more if I want to expand right. on a certain subject. Uh, and I feel the same way for both things, church and school. What about your? Um, no, no, no. I agree. I mean, what a time to be alive! The tip of your fingers. I mean, not that you know it's an ex- like an excuse. Like, well, we didn't have the internet before, so we, we had library cards. Though. Exactly, yeah. we had books, books. Yeah. You know? But even now, it's just like that much easier. You know, mm-hmm. just to like, you know just Google something. Like fucking, I saw this movie. It was talking about. I don't know what the hell is like. Oh, I don't remember that guy from the Bible. I'm like, oh, further research shows that. But I, but I definitely feel like it's almost its own kind of Darwinism, where yeah. like the stupid people were, well, kind of excellent. Like you're gonna fail at life. You're gonna fail at life. It's your own fault. You were all kind of right. held to this to expect to be responsible for our own selves and our own further education. So mm-hmm. if you can, you can be as smart as you want to be. But if you want to be lazy about it and you want to be – if you don't have that ambition to, to grow grow smarter or uh, further education, that's on you completely. And you're right. responsible for that rather than having you forced to, into a, a system where you're just going to kind of hold everybody else back, the, mm-hmm. the people that want to be there back. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel. I don't know if that's too – maybe um, – It's kind of like Anti-socialism. <laughs> well, no. I mean, like it's kind of like school, you know, where it's like – like, you have, like, a classroom full of uh, students, mm-hmm. and not everybody learns the same way. You know, people have, like, different right. strengths, you know? Like, so, like, depending on how you know you, you do what you can as a teacher. Yeah. There's some, you know, there's some students you're going to reach, and then some that you're going to lose. But, you know, maybe they just need, like, a little extra help, tutoring, whatever. But mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, one method of teaching isn't going to, isn't going to be, you know, as effective to everybody. Maybe some, but not so much. Well, others. actually, that specifically what you're calling out is the uh, straight A conspiracy. Mm. This is book by uh, Hunter Moss. Are you no, familiar no, with it? He has this great theory on, uh, well, how the school system is literally catered towards girls. Hmm. And how the, the bo- it, it, it kind of excludes a lot of boys out because the attention span for boys is much different from girls. And it comes from the hunter-gatherer society mm. where you have to be more aware of you know, how the men, because the men were hunters and the females were gatherers for the most part, you had to be more like uh, you were easily skewed. You hunt, you know, you're like, oh, what's that noise? You know, you have to, and then you you're more aware of your surroundings. Right, right, right. So it's easy. You're more easily distracted as you should be. And then, uh, anyways, that that kind of goes to like how schools, uh, the way that the elementary and middle schools are shaped, are specifically designed for women or girls because you can be in one classroom setting for eight hours and be focused, as opposed to boys that are e- so easily distracted. So it's almost huh. unfair because you're forcing a genetic, you're forcing a challenge to the genetic code in in the male three, hmm. and <clears throat> and that kind of makes sense. Like, oh yeah, no shit, boys are always trying to like. Uh, I guess the system for boys, he said that it would be would be you're in class for about thirty minutes. You go play for ten minutes, come back and learn for. And it's you pretty do that funny. And like, funny. oh, okay, that makes sense. But obviously, you can't do that, you know, in a realistic setting. But ideally, that's how that's how a boy should learn, as opposed to girls who can do sit in class for about three hours, recess for one hour, and then back in class for three hours. That kind of thing. Damn, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gender is a social construct, you know. Yeah, so, like, yeah. You know, yeah. I was just, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I was just gonna take it to the whole, like, you know, the gender <laughs> issue, like, you know. But uh, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I, and I, I mean, 
I you know I don't know if the theory is proven, but it makes sense. It's a theory. Yeah. Theory is a theory. There's like you know mm. like just ideas that kind of fit together. It's like hey, that brings yeah. up a very a very prudent point. You yeah, know? and it's a good. It, it, that's what I say. It's a good point. The whole book is a good point. You know, on, like onto that. that whole thing. Yeah. Huh. Which is why I always give a, a little bit more slack. And it makes sense because in general, I don't know in general, but in my personal experience, uh, yeah, my daughter is a better student than my son. And I don't know if that has anything to do with intelligence because in different ways, they're both intelligent in different ways. But I mm-hmm. happen to have a boy and a girl. And, uh, yeah, she's obviously a better student and he's a little bit more creative. Or you know, oh, okay. and, and it's just weird how it balances out, you know. And obviously she's a little bit more um, mentally uh, tough and he's a little bit more physically tough. So there's mm. like a there's obviously their pluses and minuses. And it's kind of like the cliche for boys and girls. Yeah, that's how right. they're, you know. So, but the 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 history it just made sense. Like, yeah, that's actually if oh, you explain yeah, it, why? Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes kind of sense because he he just points back to the whole genetic. It's in our genetic code, hunter gatherer thing. And I, yeah, yeah, I guess that genetics, makes sense. Huh? Yeah, science, yeah. science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty good. Yeah. Point. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's our intro for the one thirty. I'm not wasn't <laughs> sure if it was gonna come out, but uh, yeah. Okay. So this has been. We had, a, dude. I hope you guys had. Well, hmm, was it was the intro uh, outro? Uh, oh, uh, uh, we had a lot of fun recording, and we hope you have a lot of fun listening. There you go. There you go. And we're back yet again. You know, inside <laughs> joke, everybody here. Uh, welcome back to yet another episode of Snooze and Booze. Do you know what episode this is? One twenty-eight or nine? It could be one twenty-eight. Oh, okay. Well, it's I possible. won't say anything because I don't have to edit, edit yeah, this out. One twenty-something. Just mumble. Uh, we got a very special guest joining us. One of my one of my good my closest friends from my old job, and he's back to tell us the secrets of what's inside of the minds. You know, what evil lurks <laughs> inside our mind. Uh, Mr. H- Jose Burgess, right? Or Burgos. Burgos. But um, this might actually be your shortest episode. Oh no! Because <laughs> <laughs> there's not that much in the mind. Oh no! That, that's uh, oh that's, that's debatable. Sadly, but true. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I, I always love because we used to have these great conversations about uh, films and comics and movies when we were at work. And I just remember because uh, the first time, like, hey, you like movies? And then, like, just like that, I think it was, uh, you told me, oh, I hear you're into movies. You said something like that. And like, yeah. Yeah. And then from there, you were on your way out and it did become like a 20 minute conversation <laughs> with you ready to go or something. That's like that. right. So basically, yeah. one of my colleagues told me that you're a big film fan. Yeah. You know, that you love pop culture. And I'm like, who? The security guard? No way. <laughs> um, of course, I was already like, I had already like established like, you know, I sometimes like, yeah. you know, profile people yeah, based of course, yeah. on, you know, assumptions. But um, I we started to talk and I just basically said, hey, I heard you like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. That was the beginning of, of our friendship. Our friendship. And <laughs> uh, blossomed from there. And then uh, we just started to get to know each other yeah. and we discovered that we love... Uh-oh. <laughs> that that uh, that we love a lot of the same uh, films and a lot of the same directors mm-hmm. and Guillermo del Toro is just one of our our mutual um, uh, you know uh, directors that we admire mm-hmm. and now now one of the very I wonder if he's the first Hispanic Mexican director to win the uh, Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, yeah so I think he I is, right? So I am incredibly proud. I think that was, that was kind of serendipitous for that moment because when we started kind of clicking with, especially with Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. it was right when Shape of Water was getting ready to be released. Yeah. Yes. So it was perfect because there was a perfect amount of buzz around it and then it, we had this yeah. thing that I kind of talk around. 
And then when the movie came out, I fell in love with this film. We saw it together too. We went to the ArcLight. He was with me. And uh, uh, he, actually, he, he was the one that recommended because they had the uh, displays on that. They had oh, the displays, yeah, yeah. and then they had the the um, uh, the, Q&A the, the Q and A with that they had recorded when yeah. he was there. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so we yeah. got to see that little featurette, and, uh, and man, the movie was just just because I was a fan of his before, but this was yeah. really like. It felt like he really could do... He was doing what he was doing and the studio was letting him do it. You know, that kind of thing. Finally. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that he got, like, creative license to do what he really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you know he's, he's, he's a director that does what the studio needs him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he does it to finance his real love projects. Yeah. And, one for them, one know, for me. One for them, one for me. And... Um, <laughs> And so we started to get to talk to uh, each other about Guillermo, and then from there we started to talk about all the other stuff that we love and we Absolutely, share in common. Yeah. But I'm a big geek. Yeah. I love geek culture. You, I saw your collection. Um, of the you house. saw my collection. Awesome. You, went, you went through the very short, <laughs> very small tour. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not nothing like a Bleak House, I'm sure. Oh man, <laughs> uh, no, remember I was telling you that uh, Guillermo del Toro book. Well, he, uh, oh yeah, Jose, yeah, yeah, Jose, yeah. let me borrow it. And uh, he has a house here in LA, somewhere in LA. I'm not sure where. Somewhere in LA. But it's called the Bleak House. That's Guillermo del Toro's house. Oh, okay. But it's basically a mini museum of everything he loves, and and obviously stuff from his movies. But oh, okay. yeah. so it's basically like the Universal Soldiers, like uh, not the Soldiers, Universal uh, uh, Studios. You know the monsters. Oh, okay. He has like the big ass bust of it. Doesn't he have like a giant Frankenstein? He or has monster? a Frankenstein that is. Uh, I want to say a little bit bigger than this table. Right, right, like, right. And I think it's like it's overlooking huge. you too. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that he actually got his collection from Bleak House, and he had it displayed at the LACMA. Mm. Oh and yeah. That's oh, that. that's the first time that I've ever gotten an mm. annual pass for the LACMA. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was literally. Like you were walking through his house. Did you, did you go to that one? I know you were, mm-hmm. or you went to the Tim Burton. One. I went to the Tim Burton. Oh, one, yeah. But they do that, right? Mm-hmm. They do that with different. They do directors. occasionally yeah. have uh, film directors, yeah, kind of bring in like all of their creative stuff and uh, display it. You know, they did a really amazing job with uh, with his stuff. That's great. Yeah. yeah, they had all of his journals, all, a lot of the props from Chronos, oh, that's cool. from uh, Pan's Labyrinth, yeah, um, from. Uh, Devil's Backbone, yeah, um, stuff that was like almost like created for the film, and um, well, when I was reading that book, it was really amazing. Yeah, when I was reading that book, I was reading a lot about uh, like for Chronos, he did most of all the makeups. He was in charge of doing his own makeup and all that stuff. Oh. All the special effects were all his. So like he was really one of those hands-on guy. He really likes to shape, uh, shape his water. You know, uh, he likes to shape his his movie, his vision himself. You know, mm. not just like because there are directors who are great directors, but they there's a lot of oh this is what I want. No, that's not it. And crumples the paper and throws it away. Right, stuff like right. that goes like he no no let me do it for you. Let me, no, this is what I his vision is very very clear. And I think that's why he has such a distinct. Uh, you can tell his movies right away. You, you know, one hundred percent. Like anything that's his design, you can really like. Uh, even if something similar, like that's Guillermo del Toro, and it's too close to knocking him off. Like, get out of here with that. You know, right? I mean, so, and even with like a really like sci-fi film, like, uh, you know, Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. you could see it in his kaiju's. Like, one hundred percent. Really, yeah. like the way that they're designed, they're, you can tell that these are Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. creations. Absolutely. Um, you know, just hearkening back to his yeah. like. 
artwork in Pan's Labyrinth, you yeah. can see like the way he designs. Yeah, these very weird creatures. Yeah, very like I mean, you can see the influence, his influence too, with the H.P. Lovecraftian H. kind of thing. You know, Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah we which talked is, about yeah, it. that's right, yeah. and that that seeds through from his influences. Those like Hydra look straight out of like Cthulhu's nightmares, right? You know? Cthulhu's <laughs> nightmares, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so it's pretty cool, and and I just love that stuff that you can identify. There's such a uh, mythology to his stories like you want there to be more behind the scenes you know? yeah, absolutely yeah and i think he has a lot of that uh love for um kind of early pulp horror mm -hmm. uh which you know a lot of people are rediscovering now a lot of people are reading hp yeah. lovecraft and uh burrows and um they're really rediscovering like really these amazing uh creative stories yeah of horror and fantasy mm -hmm. um and you know we're gonna start seeing these in film i i really hope that uh, del toro will get to make at the mountains of madness that, oh, which man. was a project that yeah. is kind of probably dead in the water right now and i hope he gets to do it you know i, I remember the other one that was supposed to be an influence from that with the mouth of madness with uh, sam yeah. neill i sam really neill. love that movie it's yeah, a great well, movie that it was, was cool, heavily inspired by hp lovecraft yeah it was supposed yeah. to be like an homage to him or something like that right an homage yeah. i was like 10 years old uh, watching the movie and i thought it was a creaky cool a movie. very loose homage <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> there's definitely well i i like the uh there's i think it's more easter eggs of hp lovecraft stuff right easter than anything eggs, yeah. else absolutely it felt probably more like a stephen king stanley kubrick kind of mashup thing right <laughs> but still i mean i remember being 10 years old thinking that movie was freaky cool you know <laughs> that kind of yeah. thing watching that and i, I hope I, if he got his chance to really do his version of what you know his love for hp life it, yeah. it really would come off really nice i i can't wait for that i think it'll come i think so especially I think, with the, the i think you know with, water. with him winning the best director mm -hmm. oscar you know, hopefully he gets the pull yeah. to get the financing and the produ uh, production for that. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about H.P. Lovecraft is he's never really gotten a very well done studio quality film yeah. ever. And it's probably because it's very hard to film. 100%. Like, you know, how do you even do it's that? It's very hard to film because if you read anything by H.P. Lovecraft, you know that a lot of his stories are very psychological mm -hmm. and they're horror. So it's really about painting a picture in your mind 100%. and you know film is a very visual studio mm -hmm. um studio <laughs> a medium um, mm -hmm. vi visual medium yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've already had a couple too oh have you <laughs> <laughs> let's get going right now <laughs> a, a couple uh, a visual medium yeah. um and and that's why i think the few attempts that have been made I mean, one fairly well done one was uh the reanimator oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which is actually almost you know, page by page, the story that he wrote. Uh -huh. um, but that's been the only one that's been relatively well known. Probably because it's been easiest to adapt to a movie yes. too, because it's not yeah. dealing with the insanity of right. It's not dealing show. with like big cosmic horror. Exactly. It's exactly. just you know this guy who, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very much like Kronos, yeah. this guy who yeah. who wants to explore uh, life beyond death yeah. and Playing starts to bit, experiment, right. playing mm -hmm. God. Um, and and um, essentially uh, becomes a I don't know a zombie, a zombie of sorts, yeah. undead, or right? <laughs> creates the undead, yeah, yeah, like The Walking Dead, right, yes. right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, oh, to be fair, like I remember uh, reading people's like interpretations of H.P. Lovecraft, and they said that his things was more. It wasn't meant to be taken literally, you mm -hmm. know, that it was supposed to be representative of the vastness of the emptiness of the darkness of the soul and all that kind of thing. Right. And it's just using these monsters just kind of to 
to it's almost like little analogies these these kind of um, demigods are supposed to be that you know yeah and you know when you when you take it literal because people love monsters <laughs> you know, uh, you're gonna have this thing like how do i trans you know how do i even make this thing the size of the earth into this monster yeah it's weird how yeah. do you translate right like translate big cosmic horror into film right, right? Yeah. that's really hard to do yeah um it's very psychological um and it needs a lot of really good directing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to succeed, even yeah. if he does make the movie. If you've he read At the Mountains yeah. of Madness, yeah. um, I think the closest thing the closest thing that you can get to would be The Thing. Oh, yeah. And that was a great one, too. You know, there's supposed that was to be John sequel. Carpenter. But there's yeah. supposed to be, I guess, unofficial sequel. Like, Mouth, Mouth of Madness was supposed to be a sequel to The Thing. Like, it's all... Did you hear about this? It's a connected mm -hmm. th uh, trilogy that's um, loosely connected, mm -hmm. but it's all supposed to be representatives of H.P. Lovecraft. The right. Thing was one. I forgot the third movie, but The Thing and Mouth of Madness are connected. I oh, Prince of Darkness by... Uh, Which uh, is sci-fi. It's yeah. a science fiction. Prince of Darkness? Yeah, that's the one with uh, Wes, Wes Craven directed Wes that Craven. in the 80s. Okay. So it's supposed to go The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and then Mouth of Madness. And if you watch those in order... It's supposed to be uh, like a, a trilogy of a same theme of losing your mind. Kind of okay, thing. but it's it, but yeah, it's kind of that that's kind of the, the influence that he brings. It's not really blatant or direct, but it's it's there, you know, on, on the surface, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I remember Prince of Darkness was the the one that was really cool. Um, but the thing is, one of my favorite movies, and. Uh, and I didn't know that it bombed at the box office when it first came out. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I guess people just didn't understand it, and it wasn't they didn't like that the ambiguous ending at the yeah. time. You know, I th I think that's very much a thing. Uh, 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 I think when a, when a movie comes out, maybe it's a zeitgeist thing, but I think when things come out, especially film, they're not as well received as when they are later sort of. Appreciated, uh, mm -hmm. right? Or or or, or rewatched or or mm -hmm. uh, appreciated yeah. exactly. So I think, like the same thing I heard happen with uh, a few other films. They they come out and they don't do very well. Since the game, famously, with the bomb yeah, the I, I wonder. I think Wizard of Oz as well. Um, mm -hmm. Kubrick's. Uh, um, not the shining. The that shining. Was, yeah. I don't remember how well that did, uh -huh. but it definitely has like a cult following. Yeah, now. yeah, one hundred percent. Even though Stephen King like hates it, hates it. He notoriously hates that. most of his work, though. <laughs> yeah, most no, of his but, adapted work. But but even like Ready Player One uh -huh. makes a big uh -huh. nod to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I see, know. we just I saw it last week and it was I, I couldn't. I, yeah. You know, me and my boy. Uh, I, oh yeah. <laughs> um. Not a. He's not a big fan of yeah. Spielberg's interpretation of Ready Player One. Oh, if okay. you read the book, no, I have not. Yeah, um, it's really like uh, 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 it's like a love. The book is really a love letter to the eighties. Oh, I see. To yeah. just essentially sense, pop yeah. culture. Yeah, like music and books and yeah. film of the time. Yeah, I did. Love, I, that's one thing I love that soundtrack about this. The one. soundtrack, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for this, yeah the it's film, really so well done. Um, and I watched it and. You didn't like it? Uh, maybe because I had read the book. I mm. kind of wanted more of what happened in the book, mm -hmm. the, the experience of the book. But uh, but I think it's too. kind of a hard movie to do. Yeah. Uh, I need a refill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Um, Matt's, uh, Matt's bringing us pizzas over here. <laughs> Matt's bringing pizza. 
Uh, so uh, you join us for the convo? He's doing his he's a bitch. He's doing his <laughs> wifely duties. Oh, okay. <laughs> serving it, the sir. man some food. Well, I appreciate it anyway. And, and, and I need There's a, a death stare. There's a death stare going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, going back to Ready Player One, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a hard film to do. Yeah. Because. It makes so many references to films and music yeah. that I think that as a film, it's probably hard to go acquire the rights. You think it would have been? Yeah, that's so, that's yeah. true alone on its own. Yeah. But even the story to tell, do you think it would have been better as a miniseries, maybe even like a seven, eight episode arc? I wonder how it would have been like you have if a like Netflix would have picked it up right, right, and somewhere. done it as a miniseries. That's yeah. the new medium. That's where everything's going. You know, these streaming services with Hulu, Netflix, where yeah. miniseries are really becoming. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with Black Mirror, but miniseries are really becoming this thing where you can tell your story how you want it. You don't have to prolong it with these long twenty episodes arcs right. anymore. You can do, you can do, you know, actually, the ones who are way ahead of the game are the Brits, you know, the BBC. They've been doing that forever. Doctor Who episode seasons are like five episodes on, or not Doctor Who, Sherlock. Uh, Sherlock, yeah. Doctor Who, the longest running sci fi yeah, show 100%. in the history of television. Yeah. Uh, even Black Mirror. I mean, these seasons are only uh, like three to six episodes long, but they're doing it right. They yeah. telling the story they need to tell. They don't have to edit out all the, the good stuff with the movie, and they, they don't have to prolong can, it with the. Yeah, they can take their time. Yeah. and yes. and be truer to the source. To the source material. Yeah. yeah, that's the way to go. Really, if you really want to get want something translated well, a miniseries is the way to go. You give eight um, one hour episodes, and you're straight. <laughs> well, uh, I think right now one of the shows that I'm really really enjoying um of course it's on netflix mm-hmm. it's troy oh i haven't checked that out it's, yet it's it's titled troy yeah. fall of a city yeah i saw i saw the thing for it yeah. but you know growing up reading the greek myths I'm uh, judith hamilton yeah. um yeah you could cool. you could see that uh yeah that's a wine spout from that's pretty cool from paso robles <laughs> that we picked up oh all right yeah, it aerates guys, the wine. Uh, I wouldn't uh, mind. Sorry, I think no, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good right now. Okay. Thank you. I would take yeah. one more. Thank right. you very much. Um, napkins. Oh, okay. Um, I was saying, so it's called Troy, Fall of a City. Mm-hmm. But if you've read Judith Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I don't know if your listeners even know who Judith Hamilton is. Some of but, them do. Yeah. Judith but, Hamilton knows. But if you know who Judith Hamilton is, basically she's this... She she basically took all um, the majority of the Greek myths mm-hmm. and Play, right? basically adapted them. Uh, basically, she took them mm-hmm. these really heavy, dense Greek myths yeah. and distilled them into like. She's a playwright, right? No, no she's a novelist. Novelist. She, okay, she wrote, uh, and actually, I believe that she's even. I wonder if she's an anthropologist, but. Um, she distilled them into this book that took all of the Greek myths and made it completely accessible. Mm. So you could read it and you could understand the entire, uh, the entirety of Homer's, um, Odyssey, Odyssey, Mm -hmm. uh, but in a very nicely, very condensed way. Yeah. So you're not getting like, Oh, like, Sometimes when you're reading Shakespeare, I'm like, oh my god, it's like chore. this is gonna end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. it's great and sometimes it's a chore. But like, uh, like the Greek myths are one of those that I always like uh, obsess and I always tell the kids stories about. But if you don't know the whole parts altogether or what's going on with this and with that, it really does seem like wait, <laughs> like it's not in continuity, <laughs> right? <laughs> because yeah. things are jumping around all over the place. So this show basically takes 
it's a very close adaptation. I think that Judith Hamilton is a big mm-hmm. inspiration because you basically get this, the fall of Troy, which mm-hmm. actually takes place in a decade. Takes, mm-hmm. takes ten, 10 years. years. Mm-hmm. The Iliad takes place the over Iliad, 10 years. The Iliad, right? Uh, with, and the Iliad is basically mm. Homer trying to get back home. Right. The Odyssey. The Odyssey. And it's the Iliad another is the fall of Troy. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, it makes a really nice reference to the original myth. Mm-hmm. And it, the way that it depicts the gods, which are often the, the hardest thing to depict. Yeah. Um, very real. That's like, what you that's watch typical. it and you really feel like, Appreciate wow, it, these you. gods. Like you could, you could see almost like the humanity in them. Yeah, and they're the ones who really manipulate this entire fucked yeah. up, you know, yeah. war. Yeah, thank you. yeah. That's a. Uh, I'm definitely gonna check that out. I, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I put that on my list already. I just haven't got a chance to get to it. There's so many things that I need to. But I think I might <laughs> forward it. I'm trying to get through a Santa Clara ever-growing right list of things that I need there's to so watch or read. So much good stuff that comes in. So much good stuff that comes in. And there's no time in the day, none yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, how about yourself, man? What's that, some favorite shows you're watching right now? Me? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, what, what are you watching? Shit. <laughs> I like reality television. Oh, is there? My favorite is... Oh, God. Yes. You know, moan. No, I like uh, Ink Master. Ink Master is great. Yeah, we, we watch that together. That. He, he just got some ink himself. You want to show them uh, Bosch? Oh, there you go, nice. Bosch. For everybody at home, that is a Bosch. Oh, that's from um, the Return that's of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Do you like peppers? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And Sorry, folks. Gone. We're uh, taking a little kind of break on some getting some food. Real quick. Yeah, because <laughs> if we don't eat, um, and I'm a lightweight, uh, <laughs> this podcast will quickly... Uh, it's, descend it's, into insanity. It's been ha- it's been known to happen before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome! Thank you. Did they put some cheese? I mean, I could just kind of Troy. Yeah, Troy. Were you a fan? Now, nah, first I thought it was like a TV show series adaptation of the film, you know, with Eric mm-hmm. Bana and. Uh, and uh, Brad Pitt, of course, but no, it's, oh, you're saying it's complete. It's, it's closer to like a storytelling of the, the Iliad. Well, if you've seen the movie mm-hmm. Troy, I, I I think I'm very happy to say that this will uh, this will redeem that movie. Oh, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> There's some good parts in that film, but it's not overall it's not a good. Film. Um, yeah. What are the good parts? <laughs> I love the quote. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, the gods envy us. You know, we're mortal. Okay. That's one of my, but it's not, to be fair to the movie, that's from the, it's not even, <laughs> you just have it's to not, just It's not it. even an original quote. No, it's, of course not. The movie's not original. So, um, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I was a big fan. Uh, Armin Asante did this, uh, direct-to-TV version of The Odyssey, where he plays Odysseus, of course. But I was actually... The movie was a miniseries, so it took place over like a week long. So they were able mm-hmm. to tell the story as is. But it, it was kind of like a not much better version of Hercules and Xena as far as co- <laughs> as far as production value goes. But it was a cool, it was a good way to watch their movie. It was a good, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I was a fan of, of Xena, uh-huh. less less a fan of Hercules. Yeah. You know, I always thought that Lucy Lawless really oh, yeah. Um, nailed yeah. Oh, yeah. the the real uh, the Amazon. Uh-huh. You know, badass. Yeah. You know. 
assertiveness and yeah. confidence and, and, and yeah. you know just generally just a big fan of Lucy Lawless and anything great. she does great. including yeah. Spartacus. Spartacus we're gonna talk yes. about that yeah I love Spartacus <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, I was re-watching it I, to be fair I've only seen the first two seasons it took a little bit I couldn't get over you know after the actor died I couldn't get over the, so I didn't want to see another guy playing that character so I didn't see third or fourth season mm-hmm. but I saw the first two seasons which I love and um, two of the Captain Boomerangs from are in the Captain Boomerang that is in the WB series in the Arrow. He's in that show as well as the one that played the movie version. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Michael Jai. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Right. Or I don't. They go for the Suicide Squad. One. So I thought it was kind of cool that oh, before they started playing, that they're each playing mm-hmm. versions of Captain Boomerang, and then you know. <laughs> That's a, uh, I guess you know whatever the, uh, how the yeah. small world of the industry works, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good show though. I really, really enjoyed that show. I thought when I okay, so I'm a kid and I'm watching Spartacus with my dad and Kirk Douglas, one of my favorite actors of all time. It's, as far as the old school guy goes, you can have John Wayne. I'm taking Kirk Douglas, you know. And I'm watching the yeah. movie and I thought, oh, excuse me, the show on uh, Stars, and I thought it was going to be a version of that. It's like no, 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 it's completely different. It just happens to have that name, but it's yeah. uh, I fell in love with it instantly. One of my favorite characters was Lucy Lawless. She, because yeah. I didn't. Sometimes you just love her, and sometimes you just hate her, and you don't want to strangle her, <laughs> the way she portrays in the movie. But I, you know, how'd you guys get into? Uh, well, how'd you get into that that show? Did you fall upon it naturally? I think um, Troy. No, Spartacus. No, Spartacus. Um, um, I think we may have had cable, and we saw. It was at, we went to Comic Con. It was at Comic Con. They screened it there. Yeah, and they had some of the uh, the the, um, the 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 actors there. Hmm. Um, was Lucy Lucy Lawless probably, there? Yeah, yeah. yeah we saw, she was yeah, we, we, there. We, we, it was, yeah, but that's how we discovered. Yeah, that. so Matt and I have been going to Comic Con now, almost about the same time that we've been together. Yeah. Uh, Eleven years, ten years. A little backstory: Matt is a. Uh, is Jose's uh, husband. Have you guys been together for that long? For 11, 12 years? Long, 10, almost about, it, it almost feels, actually, it almost feels like the Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, 10 long years. It's it's really rare. For, How long have we been together? I don't too, remember. Too, too long? long. That's <laughs> a guy thing. I don't remember. I know when our anniversary is because yeah. I have to mark it on my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember, well, I do remember my, my, me and my wife been married for 13 years, but together for 15. You got and I remember, us. Yeah, I remember <laughs> it because um, a lot of our family members were just telling us, you're, you're kids, you're stupid, don't do it, we'll do it, that whole thing, right? So, and some of her family members as well. Well, <clears throat> anyways, along the years, her, those same people, have gotten divorced with their spouses. <laughs> so, I'd like to throw in their faces every year. So, it's that's it's a more a little bit arrogant revenge, you know. That kind of well, thing. now we actually have the legal right yeah. to get divorced if we wanted to. That's, that's yeah. You could be, now uh, that we the, are. What's the saying? You can be as miserable as the rest of us. Now, you know? <laughs> now we can be as miserable. <laughs> we have the right yeah. to be as miserable <laughs> as straight people. Absolutely. <laughs> well, congrats to that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Damn good pizza. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, courtesy of Big Mamas and Papas. They gave us an extra large. Oh. Did we pay for an extra no, large? No, we paid for a large. Maybe that's why they... Yeah, they compensated with it. They, they, they the compensated for having oh, we you... screwed up. Let's give them... Having you one. endure... It's not a problem. Cheese. <laughs> Sorry about that. I apologize I mean, it's amazing, about that. by the way. <laughs> uh, this is only like lobster cheese rather than cheese. 
Right, you can kind of separate it. Yeah, it's effortless. Thanks. Matt, we hear the accent. Where's the accent from? British. British? What part? Uh, southwest. Southwest? Welling Country Bumpkin. Okay. Wellington, Somerset. I've had one of those before. A bumpkin? No. Bumpkin? <laughs> no. If you've been to the South, if you've had a cider, <laughs> that's where cider comes from. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Definitely have the, uh, <clears throat> you've probably gotten this before, uh, uh, uh Simon, uh, Nick, Nick Frost, Simon, not Cal, obviously, uh, um, Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Yeah, Nick Simon Fro- Peck. Simon Peck, thank you. <laughs> You've got you got that Simon Peck thing going on, yeah. Yeah. Is he from your little little tiny no, Hamlet? I think he's Welsh. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But don't I jokingly call you Welsh? That your family's like secretly Welsh and you're No, my family's not secretly Is Welsh. that an That's insult? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. He he's To Brits it is. Look, are we version on the races here? <laughs> Yeah, well, they don't you get offended when people say no, you're Mexican? No, no, his, his, no. His thing, his they, thing. they actually never no, think he, that I'm Mexican. No. 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 I wish. Puerto Rican, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a level of quote? No, no. Listen, <laughs> Matt will, like, we'll go somewhere, and sometimes, like, like um, we'll go to, like, a really good, like, Mexican restaurant. And, like, mm-hmm. well, why don't you talk to them in Spanish? No. Maybe they'll, we'll, we'll no, get, like, no, no, we'll get, no, like, no, an extra no, no, enchilada no. or something. I'm like, Matt, that's very no, racist. Like, no. why would I speak to them in Spanish so that I can get something that's, from it? No, yeah. that's not true. I say that at the cheap restaurants. We yeah. Okay. Not the really expensive ones. She's talking about Baja Fresh. Yeah, oh, Baja right, Fresh. Right, no, right. El Pollo Loco. <laughs> or El Pollo Loco. Yeah. Like, Matt, no. I'm to not going to talk to people in Spanish just... To be fair, in this part of L.A., you could probably talk to anybody in any restaurant in Spanish True. and probably get something a little bit. Exactly. Well, <laughs> uh, does does that work? I, I don't, don't know, know if it does work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of you. Uh, we're all one of us. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes because, you know, I look like a white guy, mm-hmm. I'll speak in Spanish, and sometimes people will be like, what? I've seen you this just happen. said what? And it's like... This bewildered look, like... I've seen yeah. this happen at work. You have seen yeah. it, huh? <laughs> so there's this one time in the lobby. No names, obviously, right? <laughs> there's one time in the lobby where we had this girl who's a repeater. We, you, know, you know, she's constantly coming. A repeat customer. Repeat customer. And uh, like I said, in, in that means something in the Department of Mental Health, right? Yeah. And she she was with her elderly pr- uh, person who didn't mm-hmm. speak English. But mm-hmm. you're talking... You didn't know that yet. And you're talking right. to this guy in, Eng- in English, and then she's... Very aggressively butts in, like he doesn't speak Spanish. He doesn't speak. Get someone who speaks Spanish here. You just, you're very calm. And you start speaking in Spanish to him, and she just kind of shuts down. Shuts up, like, oh, I got nothing to say now. <laughs> her, her, she had what we call a paradigm shift, one hundred percent, in her head. <laughs> She's like, oh, I feel stupid. Yes, one hundred percent. And I, I just remember at the time with uh, with my uh, one of my guards, I was just looking like, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right, because we didn't like her either. You know? Well, little did I know that I basically. Um, um, completely um, pulled the rug from under her feet. One hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cool to see. That's fun. <clears throat> I like the, I like working there. But I really do miss it. I don't know, Matt. We've never been to your country. We've never been to your little <laughs> hamlet, or shall we call it Shire? No, we should call it village. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt's parents live in. Um, in southern France, okay. so we've been there a few times. We fly in mm. through Barcelona. I remember you were mentioning that before. Um, yeah. Word to the wise: mm-hmm. uh, the Spanish can be a little bit rude. Yeah. 
Um, uh, we is that a European have, thing or a Spanish specific? I wonder if it's just like a, uh, I don't know, it's a Spanish mm. thing. But here's the thing. It was a we, we, it, mm. it could just be a Barcelona thing. Kind of like when tourists come to New York yeah. and they think that New Yorkers are rude. Yeah. And I've, I've been to New York. I think I just, I just adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Bill feels the same way. He said the same thing about it. Like the, the stigma says not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, but but we also went when they were having a really bad financial crisis. Mm. You think it's a little bit more humbling? One more. I, I think it, I think it was because it, it, it was big issues in. Boys. Oh, hey, sorry guys. No, the dogs. Okay. Boys. We have restless natives. We like dogs in this podcast. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dogs. Yeah, I like dags. 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 But I I think that had a lot to do with it because it was when they were really financially struggling. Mm. Yeah, they they had a really bad economy. Really bad. It's when the euro was doing really bad. Mm. And, um, uh, yeah, and uh, there were a lot of people who were unemployed. Um, But the thing was that I would speak in Spanish and I would sort of get... That very a very interesting reaction. Yeah, that surprise look. You know that mm-hmm. surprise Caught look, right? That mm-hmm. surprise look, but also kind of like because I'm obviously my accent is not is not peninsular accent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, so what do you want? Yeah, kind of like okay, so you speak to me in Spanish, okay, like what a, well, I'm yeah. gonna treat you better. Yeah, okay, What's like that? we're still gonna be addicted. Yeah, you, right. right. Like, <laughs> but fuck you. I'm like a tourist, and I'm yeah. gonna just I, I just want. Yeah, I just want a coffee. Yeah. I don't need an attitude they, with the coffee. One hundred percent. You know. Yeah. But they're not Spanish. They're Catalonian. It's different. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Catalonians. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this is the thing about Europe. You know, we think of Europe as like nationalities, mm-hmm. but in reality, when you go to Europe, it's really about regionalities. Yeah. So yeah, like, you're right. The yeah. Catalonians are very much obviously they, they, we, we heard about it in the news. They yeah. want to basically break off. I was gonna say it was almost a civil war. It was like it's it, almost yeah, like a, a civil war of words. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, having gone to Barcelona, it, it was um, it was definitely a shock for me because mm. I thought I was gonna have. A more pleasant experience mm. as someone who speaks Spanish, um, and then having yep. encountered that, I was like, I was telling Matt, like, it was a little disappointing for you. No, I was like, fuck you, <laughs> like, dude, really? <laughs> you know, I just want directions to take the train. Yeah, I don't, again, need the attitude. You know, it's it's curious. It's always going to surprise you. I guess it's the same way with people. The people who you assume are going to be aggressive yeah. all of a sudden become the nicest guys. Same thing kind of happens with countries, you know, Ireland, you know, you know, I got a chance to... You've been to Ireland? Yeah, and you oh, assume okay. it's going to be very off-guard-ish and people yeah. are just kind of giving you the... It's one of the friendliest people you... As long as you have a fr- but, beer, you know, hand. here's the thing. I have an assumption about mm. Ireland and I think of Ireland as like, okay, they like potatoes. Mm-hmm. They like <laughs> alcohol. Yeah. How can you not be chill? Yeah. Like, really? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but you go to Spain and you're like... You know, it's Barcelona, it's, it's cool, cosmopolitan, and like, and, and honestly, at one point, the service, we went to this restaurant, and the service was so bad, mm. we literally walked away. Like, we walked off. It takes a lot for me to walk away. Yeah, we yeah. paid our bill, mm-hmm. but trust me, we did not leave a tip. Yeah, we no. walked off. Wow. It was so bad. That's disappointing to hear. Yeah. yeah, it is. Especially when you have, you go there with expectations, right? 
<clears throat> just kind of let you down, you know. Just First like, time. Just like my parents. Second time, <laughs> I kind of knew what I was going to get into. Mm-hmm. So it was fine. But man, oh, what, I'm a, glad what a disappointment. I'm glad we could hear this. Yeah, for everybody. Anybody <laughs> planning a trip over there. Yeah, well, you know. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anybody's experience or, or or preconceptions about Barcelona. But mm. I think I think when we went, it was about seven or eight years ago, and the economy was pretty depressed. And mm. I think when you're dealing in a with a with a big city like Barcelona, yeah. is when when um, I guess. Is that fair though to give them an excuse to be rude or have attitude? Because there's poorer know. countries that have way more pleasant people. You know, maybe that's just a me thing. Like yeah. maybe because I am a therapist, I yeah. kind of I try to find balance yeah. and I try to find why people kind of do the things that they do, mm-hmm. um, you know, behave the way that they do. And yeah. So that that just may, may be something that I I do. Yeah. You know, internally. Yeah. Hey, hey how you doing? Hi. <laughs> Hey, no worries. No, they're great. We got a good visual. They can come out if they want. <laughs> they're about to. Okay. Okay. Who let the dogs out? No, that's a bad joke. Horrible joke. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> They've been wanting to come out. <laughs> that's up in the she's, she's, she That's what you're renting to? Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, whatchamacallit? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, did you... So you've been there a few times with the South of France with, your, with him living... Uh, well, they, his parents live in a little village in a mountain, literally on the top of a mountain. Mm. That must be fun. Um, oh man! <laughs> it, 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 honestly, mm-hmm. the drive up the mountain is like half an hour. Oh wow! It's like big bear <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> that's hey, Ollie. Bud. How you doing? And that's Callie. And so we're at this point in the podcast, we are surrounded by four dogs. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And that's Scruffs, and this is Buddy. Hey, Pups. I love the call. I love the call. <laughs> hey, it's okay. <laughs> you guys are great. Oh, buddy! <clears throat> I have a, a little affinity for pups. Buddy for and body and Ollie have friends. a have a thing, and uh, Ollie has already put Buddy in his place. <laughs> Is that right? But for some reason, Buddy still likes wants to push it. Yeah, yeah. But Ollie's the sweetest thing. Hi, Ollie. Does that uh, dichotomy like uh, transfer to humans? You know that whole alphabet. Do you think that there's something to that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, subconsciously. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I I I think that. Um, no matter where you go, you're gonna have whatever experience you have, mm-hmm. and I think you have to. Hey, buddy, calm down, buddy. Calm down, buddy. Okay, you're with friends. Of course, this little dog, <laughs> we found him on the streets mm. the second year after we bought this house. Oh wow! Literally followed us home. Oh really? <laughs> walking our other two dogs. Yeah. And has been. He just made himself at home. <laughs> Probably the luckiest dog yeah. in the world. That's how I found my wife. Oh my god! This is no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Babe, don't listen to this part. <laughs> no, man, that's that's pretty cool. You guys yeah. are surrounded by by good good stuff right here. Yeah, we we love dogs. Yeah, you know? yeah, same here. <laughs> Must love, what is they, that? Uh, John Cusack, uh, uh, man's <laughs> best friend. Yes. Oh, I, I I went to this rant a few times on the podcast where I talk about how like 
like uh, dogs have more jobs than my cousins you know like that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> you know you can have a uh, uh, drug sniffing dogs police dogs uh, uh, sleigh dogs you, you know, could have a therapy dog therapy dogs yes. guard dogs yeah, you could have a service nine. dog the whole nine, you know. Yeah. Uh, bomb sniffing dog, marine dog, yes. you know, the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, it was just this whole thing about there's no other animal on earth that can do the things they do uh, as good as you know a blind scene is the obvious one, right? Yeah, yeah. and I I I, can, I gotta say though that I I think they make the the greatest companion. Mm -hmm. And being allergic to cats, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've heard from people who have cats. Mm -hmm. Same. That same. cats just basically treat human beings like shit. Like, to be fair, when are you going to feed me? To be fair, they treat them like are women. You, <laughs> are you done? Can you now go away? <laughs> I, I have a cat as well, and I don't I don't mind her. I'll just say, we have a mutual respect for you. She's you have, my daughter's you, cat. You have an agreement. She's my daughter's cat, and like, but she only listens to me. But the, most of it is just because I don't give her the attention that everybody else See, her, dogs, right? I think dogs understand there's a symbiosis what? between humans and and dogs. Some people think that they uh, domesticated us. No bullshit. Like, Interesting. They, they, that they, do, they were friendly to us so we could start feeding them. And th that is a theory that's going actually, on there. Actually, yeah. if you've watched Cosmos, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, yeah. uh, actually, the, the, Carl the new the one. one. Oh, no, the, no, the one that uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, he actually has in one of the early episodes kind of the scientific mm -hmm. theory of how dogs domesticated to humans. Mm -hmm. And it was basically dogs in the wolf, yeah. uh, in wolf packs, the dogs that were smart enough to know if we follow that group of humans mm -hmm. for feed enough us. <laughs> time, we don't have to hunt. Yeah. They will literally feed us. Like yeah. They will throw their scraps at us. Yeah. And eventually, the dogs genetically um, and evolutionarily, yes. the dogs yes. who did not bite the humans were the ones that domesticated. Yes, absolutely. And then human beings actually, I think within the last maybe 500 years, mm -hmm. uh, 400 years, we actually have created all of the, the breeds, breeds that we see yeah. now. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. second episode of the newer version that, that they yes. explained that, and it was fascinating. Absolutely yeah, it, amazing. I loved it. it yeah. And then that's how you get the difference between this vicious wolf and this cute little Pomeranian, and right? Then, and then this Yorkie <laughs> yeah, Pomeranian. Yeah. This came from that. <laughs> or Chihuahua. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But basically, um, uh, we, we love dogs. Yeah, we, yeah. Matt, in fact, Matt, he... Um, he volunteers training puppies every Saturday and we've rescued and we have found so many dogs on the streets we take them to the shelter we have actually neighbors mm -hmm. who will temporarily shelter the dog until we That's can cool. find them a home because cool. we know that some of the shelters will just euthanize dogs uh, um, I mean except for Pasadena but mm -hmm. you know they have pretty strict rules about you know their their shelter. They kind of have to. I mean, that's that whole thing with the PETA thing. Like PETA kills more people than the gaming community ever. If people don't realize that, like, yeah, you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sad. It, but I mean, they you know is that Bob Barker you know, spraying with your your best. You know, you, you know. It. But um, you know, I I think that Matt and I, being two gay guys, we're not gonna have kids. Mm -hmm. You know, we believe in. You know, there's a reason that nature made us gay. Yeah. And in the nature, in the in the natural world, gay animals exist. Yeah. They absolutely. don't procreate. The smartest ones do. Uh, the smartest. The smartest ones. animals, like dolphins, obviously dolphins, dogs. Right. And, yeah. Uh -huh. And you know, I think the reason that we were we are gay is basically not to have kids and just to be fabulous. Do you think the and yeah, fun absolutely. at parties <laughs> as you are and, <laughs> and be the fun uncle? You know, what? that's funny. <laughs> no, that's funny. 
Do you think the influx is in the overpopulation of the Earth as well? Do you think it might be a, like, uh, like there, a there counterbalance? Is a, there is a theory mm-hmm. that as we grow in population, I mean, we are now surpassing what this planet can sustain. Yeah. Uh, by we're, several we're headed billion. towards her. We're headed towards her. We definitely Absolutely. are. And we obviously know what mm-hmm. we're creating and, and what we're, the lasting effects that we're leaving on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to your listeners who are Republican and don't believe in climate change. <laughs> um, you may not like what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. but I do think that nature has this amazing way of trying to balance itself, itself and correct itself. Yeah. And the Gaia theory, yeah, the Gaia theory, the Gaia theory. I didn't even know it had a name. It comes from the like the you know the movie the well, day Gaia, after the, the goddess of Earth, correct? Yeah, yeah. the from the day after yeah. the end tomorrow, how it kind of purged itself to you know right. Yeah, bird and I, you know, I think there are some movies that have treated that subject. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, obviously, The Handmaiden's Tale. Yes, that's what's currently going. You know, yeah. this is this is a future, kind of a dystopian future. Where human beings have so there's so much uh, sort of uh, chemical contamination mm-hmm. that human beings can't have kids anymore, mm. um, and I do think that uh, as uh, as two gay men in a committed relationship, yeah. I, I don't feel that our imperative biologically is to have children. Uh-huh. Um, we don't have children, and in fact, we we channel our nurturing. Um, uh, needs mm-hmm. towards, you know, fostering animals. and rescuing mm-hmm. animals, and, and that's where I think we get what we need um, in nurturing another creature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, dogs—they don't need a college fund, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure don't. And when they become teenagers, <laughs> yeah. right, they don't become teenagers because essentially <laughs> <laughs> they they remain two or three years old for yeah. their entire lives. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm always saying, stop. Gr- I'm always telling my kids, stop growing. Please stop. Stop right now. You're right. perfect right now. Stop. Don't get. You're gonna stop, get worse. Stop at this age. You're, I know you're gonna get worse. Please do not become a teenager. Happy birthday, Gwen. Uh, she just turned 13 on <laughs> March. You have we got, officially now a teenage. We got girl. tickets. We got tickets to DragCon. Uh, that's going on uh, pretty soon. Coming up. So we're excited well, about that. Well, you know. My son, I, uh, my son's drag queen name is uh, Man Fiction. That's what he calls. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Tom, Tom is funny though. He's, he's well, funny in kid. fact, uh, uh, Steve, before we uh, we 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 um, uh, I I wanted to be on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Basically, Fridays for us yeah. is what we call Reality Fridays. Mm-hmm. So all we watch is reality TV, <laughs> yeah. and our RuPaul's. premier reality show is RuPaul's Drag Race. That's, I was just watching last night. Yeah. <laughs> What's her face? Was that on? is yeah. so awesome that your kids embrace that. that uh, yeah, my, my daughter's uh, it's her favorite show. Is it? Yeah, I don't know I'm, how. I'm, we're big fans of RuPaul. Yeah. It's, well, they're funny. They, she is funny, one hundred percent. And they're all they, they all are. I, all I, I think I think you have incredibly amazing and cool kids. Oh man, if you knew it, like you know, yeah. Loki and Tessa, yeah, it, yeah, it is yeah. different. Like when you hang out with. When you hang out with them, I wish you could hang out with them because it is well, different. Well, I hope to. Yeah, I hope to meet one hundred percent because it's different hanging out with them than than it is with other children. You really do feel. I mean, I. I mean, I mean, you know, I feel like I'm with just you guys. I we have we be having the exact same conversation, mm-hmm. honestly. But and then you forget for a second, like, oh yeah, she's thirteen. Oh yeah, he's ten. Oh no, but we're having uh, we're having debates about better directors, and we're having uh, with my son specifically. Oh, I think you know this director is better than the other one, and that kind of thing. And explain and with Gwen mm-hmm. the same thing. We're having talks about politics and. And how people, why people are so stupid, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing you know. So it, it really does. Uh, 
Uh, I lucked out. I honestly did because I was such a horrible kid <laughs> growing up. And I remember my mom always telling me, dude, if your kids are going to be twice as bad. I'm like, mom, I got to tell you, they're not. <laughs> so, I mean, what's the secret to raising of what I think from getting yeah. to know your kids through you? Uh-huh. What's the secret to raising kids that are basically not assholes? I mean, you know, honestly, the, I had very, very small goals for them. And I tell them, open communication is number one, because I'm very honest with them, and I never dumb things down. So I'm never going to do that baby talk or yeah. talk to them like as if they need to be talked to as children. I'm always talking to them the same. Well, I have the same respect for them as I do with you guys where I'm talking to them as adults. Yeah. So that communication is there where I'm always, uh, I'm, you know, if, look, to be honest with you, that's stupid. Or that was stupid of me. I, yeah. I fucked up, and I'll say it like that. I fucked up, and uh, I probably made a mistake, and I probably shouldn't have done that. So when I'm, I, I would, you know, the arrogance of parents, you know, mostly is that they don't want to admit that they're wrong to their kids. And I think that's a big problem because you're never going to show your faults. And then they, you, they can't relate to you in that sense. Yeah. You know? So basically you, you are breaking down what I think that culturally a lot of people do, which is they have, they create this power imbalance where the that's parent mm-hmm. has all the power and knows everything. Yeah. And the kid is basically, basically... Uh, uh, a nothing, slave, dumb, uh, yeah, a, sl- yeah. a slave, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think what what you're doing about raising your kids is you're basically doing something that we do psychologically mm-hmm. as a as a licensed therapist is when we interact with children, we don't talk down to them. Mm. We actually talk to them the way that I talk to any other person, absolutely, right? Within their cognitive capacity, absolutely. I try to connect exactly. with them and not basically talk them down. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that as a parent. That's why I think you're creating basically yeah. really cool kids. I think, so. I hope so. Uh, you know, I, they may might think of it like that, but yeah. And the other one is uh, censorship. I'm very much against censorship completely. Yeah. And with the exception of sex, obviously, I'm not going to yeah. let them watch porn. Not just because it has a psychological difference between pre-pubescent and post-pubescent, obviously. Yeah. But as far as violence, as far as cursing, as far as uh, content, you know, by all means, we can watch whatever you want to watch as long as it's funny. Because, okay, for, for example, Scarface, great, great film. But if I don't let them watch Scarface because it's rated R, I'm denying them that artistic value they can get from that because of censorship. I don't want to do that. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. And I think you shared with me that you took them with you to go see The Shape of Water. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. in The Shape of Water, there is actually like a few scenes where yeah. are basically about uh, a human female mm-hmm. essentially having I'm coitus with, with uh, <laughs> uh, the creature god. from the Black yeah. Lagoon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but it's, I mean, I think Guillermo does a really good job of really connecting the, the, the human experience. Yeah. Um, in, in, in a very tasteful way and I think that as a parent yeah. if I was a 13 year old girl mm-hmm. I would love to have gone to see that movie yeah. with a dad and and get a positive result from that that you know what I have a right to choose mm-hmm. who I'm going to Love, give my mm-hmm. give my love to, oh, give you, yeah. and that um, that it's it's it, an equal shared power yeah. differential. It's not just he has all the power and I'm just an object. Right, I'm here for baby making or whatever. Yeah, bullshit. yeah. or I'm I'm here for reproductive uh, imperative, whatever. whatever kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And I think the third, and I want to be clear, like I'm very much the disciplinary in the family, though. When it comes to, I want to make sure there's a black and white about. Yeah. about morality and um and i also want to make sure want to be clear that that is also their choice i never want to be it 
how to put this? I never want to. Inf- I love. I want them to like the stuff I like, but I never want to throw it down the throats. You know what I mean? So like, you're basically doing what a, a a really good parent does, which is, I'm gonna expose you to all of these exactly. things, and you decide what you like, what you don't like. That's that's exactly what. Like, you know? there's a drum set in our living room sitting right now. Yeah. There's a lot of instruments in our house. They don't play them all the time, always, but the option is there, and yeah. I want that to be there. The option is there for you guys. You so know? to your listeners, I'm gonna yeah. give you some advice. I'm gonna say, if you have kids yeah. and they're little kids, and you're raising them. <laughs> Don't fucking raise them to be you. <laughs> yes. Mm. Thank you. All right. You know Let them be who they want to be. And you know what? When they get to that age where they really want to explore their boundaries, let them explore them. Because if you don't, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of disappointment. You're going to make assholes. Gonna you are going to make <laughs> asshole kids. You know what? That's so funny you put that because I was just <laughs> thinking about this the other day when I was running. Like, There's really only three reasons people have kids. And it's irresponsibility, uh-huh. which is what my fault was, you know, 19 years old. Uh, arrogance, because mm-hmm. everybody wants to make a selfish version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the other one was just oh, excuse me, uh, to have them do stuff for them, <laughs> you know, right. like little make little slaves or, mm-hmm. or the procreation part where it's uh, for like religious reasons, you know, yeah. be, uh, multiply and prosper. Multiply and prosper, yeah. which I still, I, I'm still puzzled by. Yeah. Like... In a world of how many billions are we have on this planet now? now? Like seven, <laughs> like seven billion. I I get the biological imperative to have kids, mm-hmm. but if you're having kids in purely because of a biological imperative, mm-hmm. what are you really leaving them? It devalues it, it because devalues it we we are now living in a planet that cannot sustain the capacity that it has. Mm-hmm. And that we are leaving a negative result to the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying, look, don't have kids. We mm-hmm. need to propagate. We mm-hmm. need as a species to evolutionarily move forward. Yeah. But if you're just having kids because you can biologically have them, mm-hmm. because you can ovulate, and because you can create sperm, mm-hmm. really, is that... Are we are we better than animals or are we animals? That's the question I've been asking since I was born. Like, what really? What is the difference between another Uh, version of animals or not? Yes, yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, husband. More alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Matt. Appreciate. He's good. He's great. He's good. I've you know I hey I've trained him well. Oh no! Get out of here with that. (laughs) I won't have that at all. No. (laughs) I just I just reverted. Sorry. (laughs) All this wise talk. He's just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I agree. I don't. I trained you well. Um, I don't. I just am an impeccable host. You are an impeccable host. He's a very, host. very gracious host. Gracious host. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, but, but, you know, I, I always say that. You know, I have, I think, mm-hmm. here, here's the irony. Uh, not having kids, I think that I have... I think I have not only the the qualities and the skills Mm -hmm. to be a great parent, but because I know what an incredible responsibility is and having grown up with parents who basically had me when they were still in high school. Yeah, that was us. I can tell you they were not prepared to have a kid. I don't know if you ever are. I grew up knowing that they were not prepared to have a kid. Um, I know that responsibility of having a child is so monumental that you can actually you can actually buy a gun mm-hmm. or drive a car much easier 
than you can to raise another human being. That, that's one thing I'm very much against, the fact that, well, I mean, the expression, I don't want to mean to be cliche, but well, stop letting stupid people cro- uh, procreate. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not really for that whole... I wish you did. I don't want to say that you you need a license to make a kid, but it would probably help. Oh, It'd be a, a, a direction of the right improvement. It. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. You know, Steve. You know that I'm in the. In, I work in the mental health field, mm-hmm. and I work with a lot of people who basically are genetic products of people yeah. of people who no, do not ge- think genetics, about yeah. having kids. So if you if you know that genetically. Uh, you have a parent that is predisposed towards schizophrenia mm-hmm. or towards bipolar disorder, and you are completely driven by a, a biological imperative to have children. Yeah. You know that there is a very high likelihood that your progeny is down. going mm-hmm. to be l- potentially mm-hmm. burdened with a chronic condition. Mm-hmm. And I think that people, when they get together and they get married, they don't really think about, well, what's in our genetic makeup? What is it that we're going to be passing on? Mm -hmm. And are we ready to produce children and are we ready to take care of them? And you know that despite a lot of really false theory, uh, there is an increase in autism. And I think that autism may be another biological theory. Mm -hmm result of we are way too it's many nature's human way beings of telling you to in a slow planet hmm. plain and simple yeah. nature's way of telling you to yeah. slow the hell down right and um and i think that we need to start being more conscientious about reproducing and reproductive rights are not necessarily reproductive impairments that, that's mm. um, impairments <laughs> uh that's the wine uh <laughs> listeners uh <laughs> reproductive imperatives yeah yeah. Okay, that's the one. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you. I honestly don't think like I think we had this conversation in a different format, uh, Loaf, when uh, my cousin Denise came on, and my cousin has been with her boyfriend as long as I've been with my wife. You know, years and years, over a decade, but they don't have any kids, and and it's that whole Mexican thing, the Hispanic thing. We're like, when are you guys gonna have? You know, and everyone's yeah. constantly asking them, and they're so tired of that fucking question, right? Yeah. And I mean that. I mean, it's like, dude, this world is overpopulated as it is. We don't need to be having kids. We're not in that age where you need to have a litter of kids, ten kids, because half of them they died, die, yeah. or or you know they're gonna get eaten by a jaguar. That that that's where our genetic. Uh, or you need you you need them to work in the farm. Mm, that you know right. because you need to produce whatever corn or soy. You needed a mini clan. You don't need right. that anymore. And we're in this in a more technological age where that does the rule. Those rules don't apply anymore, and we need to start. We are smart enough to overcome our genetic impulses. We have we have to be, and and if we're not, what's going to do? We're just going to keep going right down the shitter, you know. And then we are, you know. Here's the thing. I love popular culture and I love comic books, but you know, I I do meditate a lot on the fact that where we are heading mm-hmm. is essentially something that's already been published in comic books yeah. which is we are becoming a krypton yeah. where we are actually destroying our own oh, world right, and I at a certain that. point we are gonna leave nothing behind and i think that that the moral of that story is we have to be good stewards yeah to the to the world to the planet to the land that we live in because if we're not good stewards what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually be the cause of our own extinction to be fair now i've said that before and i agree with you but to be fair this isn't the first time that this conversation has been had 
within the last thousand years, within the last hundreds of years, there has been falls of civilization before. Where to them it was the end of the world. Yeah. Where to them there there is nothing more after the, the whole planet existence, for as far as they know, and we've still kept surviving. You know. However, the nuclear thing. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> hey, that's a very likely possibility yeah. with the current administration. Yeah. Um, but uh. We know that scientifically, Steve, that whereas civilizations have risen and fallen mm-hmm. before, you know, the Persians, you know, oh, the Greeks, yeah. the, the Egyptians, the it has only Sumerians. been within the last few hundred years mm-hmm. that this current civilization has produced a correlative effect to the environment. Well, And unfortunately... Yeah. We do need to live in a planet that can sustain life. That's true, but that's also not to say that there hasn't been climate changes throughout uh, times and periods. It's been proven that there's been dramatic climate changes throughout history. Whether we're the cause of it currently now, we're speeding it up because we probably are. It goes through a cycle, you know. There, I mean, it wasn't like the, most of North America covered with like you know ten miles of of ice before, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, I mean, the the climate change thing is uh I mean the way I feel about it is it's very real and you're an idiot if you think it's not real it's not happening but right. I also think it's cyclical I think it happens in these waves and we're just kind of what we're doing we're not helping For number one we're not helping the more population grows but we're speeding it up we're kind of putting the gas to the pedal and we're super you know by a couple hundred years we're getting there quicker than we yeah. need to be yeah and we that's what we need to be prepared for and that's what we need to fix you know yeah well. I'm glad that you you do see that. Um, I, I would say that um, we are a culture that is we need to adapt mm-hmm. and we need to adapt to the changing environment. Yeah, and we need to start moving towards sustainable energy resources. Yes, and as much as uh, I know it's controversial, the the most reliable energy resource that we have is nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. But that's not perfect. It has mm-hmm. a lot of drawbacks. Yeah. Um but the the belief that in a city like LA, which is already overpopulated and congested, mm-hmm. driving an SUV mm-hmm. or a large vehicle, uh, because my ego needs it mm-hmm. to be the largest vehicle is not a good philosophy to have not because we're not going to be able to continue to move forward if we continue to have these mentalities about well i want to drive you know the 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 land rover or whatever mm-hmm. because i need to protect my 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 two kids yeah you know you can have a very very safe car that's a compact yeah that's maybe even a hybrid or electric, that's not going to use up that much energy. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And, and it's it, not going to have a, a, an environmental impact. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. And I think that has a lot to do with, uh, well, number one, insecurities of the male. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, I always feel this way when like, I, I think I mentioned it before, but we should be smart enough to override our genetic uh, impulses, right? Like our generic, genetic or biological, biological imperatives. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're okay, okay, buddy. Just because you have uh, the ego, the ego needs to get checked. You know, <laughs> isn't this one thing? Like, if everybody just took DMT and had a, a cool little mushroom oh, yeah. trip, everybody would be way better. It's self-realization or self-critical. You know, you need to look at yourself in you know, really deep in yourself and be like, oh, "Am I being a jackass? Okay, maybe I am." No problem. Yeah, you know, self-realization. That doesn't happen because people don't get humbled enough. Honestly, yeah. 
I think that really is. You, you know, you take the good-looking guy, you take the good-looking girl, and they go through their life uh, without being challenged. And then you're going to develop this kind of super ego where you just kind of like, well, the world revolves around you. And, you know, this is being... Which is dangerous. This, this being LA, yeah. there's a right. lot of that ego going around, right. um, it, which is entirely superficial. Right. I am this person, yeah. and I should deserve to get this kind of treatment because I have these sort of superficial qualities. And somehow that that should get me forward and ahead over everybody else. It, 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 it's horrible yeah. because that is the person you don't want to grow up with. And yeah. I mean, or just be around, you know, because... Yeah. If you, if you, if you, how do I put it? Like to be gently, there's a, there's a few. <laughs> uh, the pretty girl is real easy to hit with, because, hit on because yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where um, she, she's not aware, full aware of herself. What is that? That old uh, Plato thing? Know yourself, right? Know <laughs> yeah, know thyself, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. And you're, it's really what that means is self-realization. <clears throat> you know what the effect you have around yourself and around others. But when you're, everybody's kind of being yes men to you because you're good looking. The same thing with a guy who's just good looking. The same thing with a, with a jock in high school, you know, mm -hmm. who is easy, who gets his way easier. There's no challenges. There's no suffering. Yeah. So you grow up in this mentality where you think life is supposed to be easy. And then when you hit a wall, when something happens like a family tragedy or some, whatever it is, right? When you hit a wall, you, do you don't know how to react because you never had yeah. to suffer. You're not life. emotionally prepared to deal with that. And you're yeah. completely crippled by it. Yeah. And you can't move on because you've never felt this pain before. Like, well, welcome to the real world, buddy. Yeah. You know, that's how <laughs> it goes. The reality that yeah. um, we, you know, we're all going to die. Yeah. And that shit happens. And it, it's going to probably happen to you. But that mentality is what's driving... Yeah. People to be so reckless, so careless, to drive that giant SUV with gas guzzling miles, to yeah. be, you know, so kind of like that not short, recycle. that mm -hmm. short sort of, um, uh, what is it, um, I, I, sorry if I can't mm. remember it, but kind of getting what you need in the moment, mm -hmm. even though you're not thinking long term. Right, right. You know, like, uh, I deserve this, I should have this, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, very arrogant mentality, arrogant yeah. mentality, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the medievals, uh, the people during the medieval ages believed in what was called something that is a TV game show today called Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and so what's really amazing, <laughs> what's really amazing about that show is that it actually is emblematic of life itself. Mm. Wheel of Fortune was actually a medieval concept that people actually believed even more so than the Catholic Church, that the king will become the pauper and that the pauper, pauper, mm -hmm. will become the king. And that there is this image of the wheel and on the top you have the emperor and at the bottom you have a beggar. And that life essentially can turn and you will be at one point at the top and another point at the bottom. That's yeah, oh, I like that. and that's something that we have lost today. I think. Yeah. yeah, everybody. I think the American mentality, because everyone constantly saying that "pick yourself up by your bootstrap" thing, where you have the option to be higher than your station in life, as opposed to leaving it to chance. Yeah, you know. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of that comes down to, uh, you know, it's it's weird. You can work. You can be as smart as you are and work as hard as you can but you're still not any you know there's other better if they're doing better than you in life or something like well that, you know? what if your bootstrap is uh you know um minimum wage mm -hmm. no health insurance and um that's as good as it gets for you no that's that i that's kind of what i'm saying like i 
you know, I have some bosses that I know I'm smarter than, you know, and it, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean, doesn't relate, you know. Yeah. I would know I work harder than some people, but it doesn't relate, it doesn't mean my personal use, but everybody at home has that same experience yeah. Yeah. where, you know, they've worked for people who are obviously not, you know, the same level as they are, but yeah. they just, the way the chips fall sometimes, you know, that we, that wheel of the fortune, as you called it, right? Yeah. So let me ask you, like, as somebody who, who is, is somebody who's sort of self-made mm -hmm. like um I, I believe you shared with me that you were in the military yes i, I was in the air force, air force and sure. and we were we were both somebody who served in the uh, who've served this country mm -hmm. like what was your story that got you into um kind of where you wanted to see yourself in in life uh honestly like okay so i'm a teenager and um i'm working two jobs as well as going to school and I had this art internship program. That was... <laughs> How old I, were you? Uh, when I had the art internship... Okay, so I was 17 years old. Okay. So, you know, two jobs, going to school, had this art thing. Completely busy. But that's just kind of the mentality that our father, you know, his his dad, my uncle, and my dad kind of grew up with. You're just working. That's just what you do. You work. And I just translated that from... It didn't necessarily be hard labor work, but it had the job thing. Well, anyways, um, so I'm doing that. I'm going to school. I'm going to college. Uh, now at this point I'm, I'm 18 years old and my girlfriend gets pregnant and it's my wife my current wife but my girlfriend gets pregnant and I just realized I did not want to be another 18 or a teenager with a, a typical Hispanic honestly typical Hispanic guy with a with a pregnant girlfriend who's working at McDonald's that yeah. does not want to be in that but I I'm going trying to go to school but I needed a, a quicker foundation yeah. military was a way for join my kind of personality I'm joining the Marines. It happens the way it happens, and from boot camp to MOS to, to Iraq, that's that's how it kind of how it went for me. So I kind of had this uh, uh, unintentional boost into, hey, guess what? You're an adult now. So I came back. I'm 20 years old, you know, and I have a daughter that's a year and a half. I have I'm married because I, you know, I did the quote unquote right thing. Yeah. Some people would say stupid thing, but in retrospect, obviously. And then uh, I come in and I have this whole new life in front of me, and. The way I took it was like there, there wasn't an option to give up. There was no option. You need to better yourself because you now have responsibilities that are more than just you being uh, sticking around the house. You have a wife and you have a child and you need to raise yeah. and you need to do the best you can for them. So that's kind of how, like, and this, you know, speed rolled me through waking up, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. I didn't get a chance to uh, uh, explore or experience my 20s because I, I had things to take care of you know I had yeah. people you I had rent already, to pay. you were already a father uh, 100% I had rent to pay I had a place yeah. I had to pay for you know I had the whole thing you know and yeah. that's kind of how it how it happened for me but to be fair my one of my main goals even as a child was to be I wanted to be a good father honestly aside from astronaut aside from rock star what you know <laughs> that the, the, those kind of uh, lottery kind of goals yeah. one was to be a really good dad or be a, be a father and I felt when I when I kind of accomplished that or reached that I don't know if I'm a good father but I'm a father I think it, you're it, a great father I appreciate that thank you, you like, about, about your kids thank and, you um, I just burped guys yeah no that's um, right, yeah. I, I think you're a great father oh no no I appreciate yeah. that thank you very much um, and, and guys this is uh, coming from somebody who has worked with lots of kids with psychological problems mm. okay I appreciate that. Thank you very if much. If it means thing. anything. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Your opinion real highly so, of you. So what's really amazing, uh, Steve, is that I think my story is similar to yours mm -hmm. but different. Okay. I actually graduated from high school at 17. Mm -hmm. And as, uh, as a Hispanic young man, I was told by my mom, you got no father and I got no money to send you to college. Mm -hmm. So my options were very limited. 
and I went to the the recruiter, the military recruiter. There was the Marine, the uh, Army, the uh, Navy, and the Air Force, and um, basically did the the, the, the whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, they talked to me. They all wanted me to join. Uh, I took the the exams, mm -hmm. um, and I scored really high. And they wanted me into in, in the Air Force. And that at 18, as soon as I turned 18, I went and I fought in the uh, in Desert Storm, which mm -hmm. was the Persian Gulf War. You just aged yourself, okay? <laughs> I just aged myself. Yeah. I and I uh, uh, um, and. Uh, yeah, I just aged myself, but let's deduct about ten years. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, he looks but, great. But basically, I uh, I went in literally out of high school with very few prospects, mm -hmm. and from there I decided I'm gonna go into the Air Force. I'm gonna get the GI Bill because I got no money, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna serve my tour of duty. I served for five years, and the last part of it was in Japan. Mm -hmm. And then from there I got out, couldn't get a job. Oh wow! Couldn't get a job. Honestly, oh, I'm a vet. Right. I just got out of the Air Force. Yeah. I did not re-enlist because I wanted to go to college. Couldn't yeah. get a job. And finally, um, I just decided I'm just going to go to school. Yeah. I went to community college, Rio Hondo, <laughs> and graduated, transferred to Whittier, Whittier College. Mm -hmm. You know, which is a very small liberal arts Quaker college. Yeah. And then from there, um, I worked. Yeah. I worked as a case manager, as a volunteer. I worked with people with uh, with AIDS mm -hmm. uh, who were dying. Um, and then from there, I got into social work. That's got to be emotionally totally for you, right? Dealing very, because I was really... working with my community. Mm -hmm. And I think that the whole time that I was in the Air Force... I was not allowed to be out. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. I yeah. was not allowed to be out. I, I remember could not I, be out. I remember we were in the field. I was actually in fear. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. Do I do remember we were in when the letter came out? Uh, President Obama, uh, credit to him, when yeah. it came out to uh, now it didn't matter, right? Yeah. You know that it might have been different experiences for me because maybe how progressive the military had gotten since then but it was i think it was 2012 yeah. we were in the field but at that point i remember the response when we're like hey guys we just got to make it official we're having a little meeting a little power you guys can be out with the and everyone just kind of going like oh yeah yeah whatever uh but it didn't matter like, yeah. because we knew some people were gay in our unit but nobody nobody cared at that point in our time you know for and you even, it probably even, wasn't even that, when right? i was in which was right when bush was leaving and clinton mm -hmm. was coming in and he was going in with the Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which mm -hmm. was kind of a letdown because we thought that, that Clinton was going to uh, get rid of that. Yeah. But I think that that was a compromise. That was, that's, what it, that's what it seemed like at the but, time. But even among, even among my unit, my, my, my squadron, they didn't care. Mm -hmm. it, they didn't Good. care. Yeah, they just Honestly, like it was not an issue for them. Um, I, I think it's more of a political issue yeah. in a sense because... When I made the decision to leave, I made the decision to leave because I'm like, I could re-enlist or I could just go to college. Mm -hmm. And I really owe it to myself to see what it is that I can do with myself. Absolutely. I, I knew that the military was for me was going to be just a stepping stone. Yeah. And it was a great stepping stone. Yeah. But it was really, really difficult for me because I could not, the entire time that I served this country... I could not really be out and yeah, open about who I really rough. was. 
yeah. Tap your yeah. yeah. Even to you, did you ever just come out to one of your close friends or buddies that are in there or no? Uh, no, I no? didn't. No, I, I just did not want to risk it. Did you, have, have you come out to people in the civilian world prior to that or did you know? Uh, I had some friends in the civilian world here in California, but not in the military. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that I stay in touch with, yeah. Was it, when you got out there, was it more of like a just weight off your back type of thing, yeah? Well, you know, I think I think I, I, I experienced what a, lot of, what a lot of college students experience, which is you go to college, mm-hmm. and then you kind of like discover kind of yourself, yourself, and you kind of <laughs> like, you just go like crazy balls to the wall, you're like all over the place. Yeah. And I think for me that that was the experience that I had when I was 23. Hmm. I went to college, I came out, um, and I basically, yeah, I um, really discovered who I really was, and I was open, and um, I came out to my mom, I came out to my family. My mom did not take it very well, of course. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, she did not take it very well. She's a very religious, she was a very religious woman. Um, But, you know, I know that she fundamentally still loved me, and uh, even though that was one topic we could not talk about yeah of course <laughs> um, but what were we but, talking about that with uh, <laughs> the uh the, the the fuck what was it the netflix show that just came out yeah where it has to do with kind of like blade runner oh my god uh, Mr. Uh, no, 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 no 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 she dealt with the yes. She's the, the female cop, and she comes and yes. she puts like the little crucifix, right? Right. Like and and the and the and the and the daughter is like, mom, yeah, really? Yes. But she's dealing with like <laughs> other sleeves the same way uh, right. grandma would deal with like you yeah. know, right? That's that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, my mom was very much a product of of, of her of her upbringing and yeah. the Catholic Church, and you know, it's really ironic because. Um, I think that the Catholic Church has a lot of gay priests yeah, who may but not I, be out. <laughs> I think that a lot of that, you know, we were talking about this before, but sexual yeah. repression is such repression. a major yeah. influence. Oppression, and, repression. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole, obviously, the, the horribleness of the, you know, the yeah. kid thing going on. And also that's just from sexual repression. Please, let these guys get married, please. This is an Can antiquated rule. please <laughs> do, take a lesson from the Church of England yeah. and let them get married. Yes. From the Protestants, from Martin Luther. Yeah. You know what? It's human beings are biological creatures. We could be lofty and we have these great ideals. But at the end of the day, (laughs) we we are animals. Yes, exactly. Uh, We we are animals and we got to do it. And I'd rather do it and not get defrocked. Exactly. Than, you know, than than to do it and and find some meaning and connectedness with another human being. Absolutely, yes. It's going to come out negative. If you repress it, it's going to come out in a negative way. It's going to come out. It always is going to come out in a negative way. Plain and simple, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What well, I mean, you know, um, so it was a little bit difficult transition for you know, yeah. a few couple of years. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. For you... me, uh, you know, I worked uh, odd and end jobs, and it was really interesting. I always felt like, you know, and I and my heart goes out to vets right now because I I I've lived that life of you know you're coming from the military world. 
into the civilian world. But I got to tell you, it was tough. Um, I I went from one job to another job. Um, I did all kinds of jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked as uh, I worked uh, in uh, do I was doing oil changes for Jiffy Lube. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I thought I the whole time I thought, fuck, like I I was like I fought for this country. Like I was I went yeah. to war. Like I almost died. Like I'm lucky I didn't come with neurological damage from the, all the oil fields in uh, in Kuwait. Yeah. And I'm like I can't even get like a decent paying oh job. Oh my god. And, Thank you and, so much for saying that I, out you know, loud. And, yeah. and you know I, my heart goes out because I know how tough it is to transition. Yeah. And you know what? You know Steve, I was very lucky. I didn't come back with PTSD, mm-hmm. but for my my brothers and sisters who have come back with yeah. scars yeah. and have a real tough challenge, I really, really hate yeah. how this country treats its vets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know what? We don't get to pick it's damn near the wars that we get sent to, and we're sent to lots of conflicts and lots of wars. Yeah. For all of these altruistic reasons, but when we come back, mm. just give us a fucking job. It, it, it's so you know a decent wage. It, it's bad. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah, I, I 100. Again, I'm, thank you for saying that out loud because it it, it is weird. <clears throat> There's this, uh, you know, not to bring it to in the movie Rambo, the first one. I know it's yeah. corny, but at the end he has this rant that's beautiful because yeah. he starts he's sobbing relentlessly and he's just talking about like over there I'm in charge of a million dollars of equipment over here yeah. you won't even let me fucking wash a car in a car wash. It, it's great. Well, it's yeah. heartbreaking, yeah. but it's because it's so true. You know, you see that movie and it just brings me to, you know, just tear eyes because he's right. He's fucking right. Like you have so much disrespect for these guys that kind of, they're giving, not only the, if they didn't get their life, they're yeah. giving their youth to it. Yeah. They're giving their youth, their experience, their their suffering. Their the sacrifice in the mix is, is incredible, you know. And it's yeah. hard to talk about it without and, you know coming and, off. And, and I one one thing that I love about Stallone's depiction yeah. of that movie is that he really actually does represent what psychologically can happen to a person Absolutely. who is who is basically coming from this one experience to this civilian <laughs> life <laughs> and being really treated like crap. And then having to psychologically revert to this other side of yourself. Right. The training kicks in. The survival kicks in. Yeah. The survival kicks in. It's almost like justified. I I, want to say that that Stallone did that, probably did that movie because he wanted to really show the struggle for a lot of vets who were coming from Vietnam. Vietnam. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was Vietnam who were coming back and were trying to reintegrate into society and were just really rejected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it was a bad mix, especially for the Vietnam era, just because you have the whole hippie movement moving from the sixties to the seventies, yeah. where it's they're so anti-government. They, here, that's the problem with the anti-military thing. Like, you can be anti-military, you be anti-government, but that has nothing to do with these veterans that really had a lot of the reasons they went weren't for the reasons you think, you know. And yeah. they're coming back more damaged than anything, and they need more support than anything. And you're getting that's the one thing I can say that the that the this current country has changed because yeah. from Vietnam to the to the current kind of it really felt like a, a modern day Vietnam this Iraq War to you know OIF yeah. it really did feel that way because <clears throat> the same reasons you're over there we're not everybody knows we're not there to fight for for freedom or whatever bullshit we're there to fight for oil everybody knows that we're there for for money the, the Vietnam it was political reasons basically political. the same 
I think that the 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 Bush family and the Middle East have had a very complex relationship, Absolutely. and that the uh, you know part of what happened with um, with uh, 9/11 was a culmination mm -hmm. of of that souring of that relationship, and mm -hmm. we we all paid the price. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that I served when um, uh, Bush's father mm -hmm. was president mm -hmm. or grandfather i can't remember father, I, yeah. I always think of them as king george the <laughs> first and then george w uh bush yeah uh the second, the second yeah. <laughs> you know because it's a kind of like a dynastic you know yeah absolutely uh, i i well but you know we have this going back to uh uh president adams mm -hmm. you know it, uh, i think it was adams and then like his grandson who became president yes next. correct yeah, yeah and i think that that's something that 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 this country hasn't quite learned that we're not supposed to be dynastic we're supposed to be republican we're well, supposed to be democratic well the forefathers the whole ideal was there yeah. that the, it was supposed to be a tour like a tour of duty you were supposed to yeah. do your thing you weren't supposed to stay there there was no such thing as a career politician yeah you were a farmer you were a lawyer you're in the military and yeah. you did a duty to serve the country as a yeah kind of like in ancient rome you served as a senator yeah. and then you retired it was a chore it yeah. was supposed to be it was a chore. like you i don't really don't want to do this yes. i'd rather be taking care of my exactly you know farm or resources but i will do what i have to do for rome exactly yeah and somewhere <laughs> along the way with lobbying and all this it yeah. got, got mixed in you know it's become now with career business. politicians who who serve for like 12 15 years yeah and i'm like no. you know it's essentially a career yeah yeah that's what it is yeah, yeah. And it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know. Never With the internet, that. we have a voice, a bigger voice than we've ever had now. We can yeah, say no to things, are. and hopefully uh, they listen, you know? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Oh, they listen or they don't listen. Or yeah. They listen all the time, even when we don't think they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those. Who knows? Uh, those thoughts. Those, do you have some thoughts? Those been quiet most of this? No, because I, I take it all in. I like these conversations. Yeah. Well, yeah. well once yeah. you're you part of it, yeah. What do you? Think I am a part of it. I'm the active listening aspect. Of it. <laughs> He's been listening you're patiently. The at home? <laughs> yeah, listen. like I'm just like you guys. Only I'm right here. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts, man, on, on this current political system? Current political system, like between like now and the last like what two hundred years? Uh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't feel like uh, Trump is one of those guys who, um, to me, well, the way I've always felt about all politics, especially leaders. It doesn't make as big a difference in our lives as we think it does. You know, the, our day to days are still relatively the same, regardless of who's who's in charge. Yeah, that's not that's honestly. We still the get up. Yep. We still have to get to work, and we come home, and we have to take care of our families. Absolutely. Yeah. And that that's it's the same whether whoever yeah. is in charge. It, it, that does not change. And I feel the more we're invested in it uh, emotionally, the more you're going to let it affect you emotionally. And yeah. maybe you don't, you know. If, if there's someone upstairs that you don't like, uh, don't let that get to you too much because you have another couple of years before we'll get somebody else in there. You know, I, that's yeah, the way I feel. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna live your life, you that's know, it. and nothing yeah. that comes from, you know, from a, you know, the the political system or whatever. At the end of the day, you still have to do what it is that you have to do to survive. One hundred percent, absolutely. Or live your life, and that's what we do as human beings, right? Survive, right? <laughs> that's the best we can do. Yeah, hopefully we make it less uh, less uncomfortable than it has been. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I think that uh, very much we are in a, we are in a 
kind of an, an existential crisis in this country. I think mm -hmm. that we we have a current administration, an executive branch that is very, very much, and I'm going to be very clear and very upfront about this. Mm -hmm. I, I think that this is the death throes mm. of our vision of a country that is white and uh, entitled mm. and um, uh, uh, white. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because the, uh, the, the reality is that going back to the very foundation of this country mm -hmm. and and i you know i i'm wearing my yeah my t-shirt <laughs> which is uh hamilton yeah which is about um i don't know what does the, my t-shirt say uh, just like my country young scrappy and hungry young yeah. scrappy yeah. and hungry that's my daughter's she's into hamilton <laughs> right now so yeah. because uh oh by the way i actually won tickets to the lottery which was free oh my <laughs> god that's crazy i've been wanting to take it forever you know i i believe that the the, the lottery is really idiot tax mm -hmm. but this is the only lottery that i actually won that i actually was i thought it was <laughs> worthwhile oh, okay but young scrappy unhungry i think this country was built by people mm -hmm. who were young scrappy and hungry and who were immigrants yeah, and this idea that America is homogeneous mm. and that it is white is so false oh yeah absolutely. and so completely off base and that when you come into this country from India or you come from the somewhere in Asia you are very much young scrappy and hungry mm -hmm. and you are actually everything that this country means yeah and needs yeah. And needs, and I think that this administration is the death throes yeah. of this this idea that somehow what we experienced in the 1950s mm -hmm. was this idealization of America. I don't but know. But the why. reality is, you know what? That was really completely false. Yeah, 100. Yeah. yeah, because George Hamilton came into this country. He came from the Caribbean, where I'm from. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I'll Thank I'll you. Take a minute. You take one? I'll take one, yes. Yeah. Well, you've got a more wine. Um, yeah. I don't know if I should have more. Your call. We still got a little bit to go. Okay, <laughs> maybe more. Um, uh, but but uh, you, could, you could open the Shiraz that he brought. Um, but I think that this is basically the death throes of, yeah. of, of this sort of mentality of you know this 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 romanticized version of america you know we've been 50s. here before we've been here before yeah. at this time and we've bounced back yeah. and i'm hoping we can bounce back from this but I, i'm pretty confident that we are because yeah. i th i think this is one of the most successful experiments in democracy absolutely and and even going back to the greeks which you know we it had its ups and downs yes. i think that this this is our most successful experiment with democracy and i am very optimistic that we we will get through this it's almost like learning your lesson yeah it's yeah. almost like well essentially this current administration is mm -hmm. a result of kind of I, I i you know i sometimes think that this is what we deserve we deserve to for confront the we deserve to confront the that 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 
that thing in the mirror that we don't want to look at and that thing that in the mirror that we want to look at is this administration yeah and i think if we confront it and we look at it long enough we will know that this is not who we are you know i you know initially the whole you know voting for trump thing and i still feel this way i don't i don't feel just because you vote for trump you feel a certain way about all of america i i really i legitimately don't think there's too many people that voted for trump yeah, and, I I have yeah a very close friend who voted for Trump. Yeah, who is yeah Mexican American and whose wife is Mexican. I ha- I mean I was gonna say I have there were certain reasons why you decided to vote for him, and it ne- they didn't necessarily mean because it coincided with the same oh white young Republican type of view. Right. It didn't mean there's yeah. different reasons. There's too, the overlap is too much because with as many people that, that did vote. The, so a lot of people that voted for Obama, the next role, the next uh, term, voted for Trump, and most of it, I think, my theory, most of it is just because they didn't see the change they thought they would see with Obama, and now that well, we didn't see we, the unconventional. You're voting for the unconventional. Yeah. Well, this is a, the first time a black man's been, uh, you know, uh, up for a vote. Well, you know, this is something different. Well, so you're going to vote right. for him because it's different. Trump is now that represents that difference. Well, can we get he represents sort of like a maverick, out of the box, sort of unscripted. Yeah. And 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 kind of new. And you know, he's the guy who's going to get us out of oh, like a little splash to clean the glass. Yeah. <laughs> gotta clean the glass because you, when you're going from white to red, you yeah. can't just like drink it. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm a as I was called a wine connoisseur. All right, was well, it yeah, This is I'm I'm Somalian too. No, this is I'm Somalian. <laughs> I have a Samoan friend. Huh? What are you doing? I don't know what you're talking about. No, yes, this is the uh, so this is a, a delicious <laughs> wine that Steve <laughs> yeah, got is. me. Um, uh, it's a Shiraz. It's really wow. It's really good. It's a Syrah. Good. It's a Syrah, twenty twelve, uh, Ballard Canyon Larner. How is it? Is it good? Yeah, I'll try it's a little good. bit. Is this a try tough it. No, Matt. Can you bring me a wine glass? Just a, a wine bit. glass. Just a little bit. Like yeah, you should try it. Uh, two. Oh, I'm like I got all this. Beer. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like, good. Yeah, enjoy it. Just one, Matt. Thank you. You know, as they say, per vero, per vino, is veritas. Per vino, veritas. <laughs> In true. wine, the truth. truth. Yes, I'm Mrs. Thank you, sir. Thank you, husband. Yeah, I think that's what he represented was different. But people are going to find that there's no change at that worse, right? That's what's going on. Cheers yeah. to you, sir. Cheers. I mean, we get to say cheers. 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 Oh, cheers. Cheers, cheers. cheers. Go cheers boss. Go <laughs> right? Go <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think that this... Um, try something that's good. This president is sort of... Uh, it, it's, some, it's something that we need. Mm-hmm. We, we need to get through this to realize what it is that we have to confront Absolutely. and then move from you know Absolutely. because I, I i firmly believe that the person who voted for this uh for this administration who voted for this um for this president 
I have a hard time just even saying his name. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. It's just like I, I don't want it in my mouth. But <laughs> I, 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 you and me both, brother. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I just think that um, uh, we just have to get through it. Yeah. And and I and I'm very confident, just based on how elections have been happening now throughout the country, mm-hmm. and now having the largest number of women running for Congress, mm-hmm. that things are going to change in uh, in the next midterm. Um, Absolutely, think so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, and I think this will wake people up to like, oh shit, maybe. A lot- I think this will wake a lot of people up that were like, "Oh, I didn't vote. Oh my God, my vote made it. You know, oh God, might have made a yeah. difference or something." How 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 the fuck people don't vote? I, it's beyond me. I, you know, really, it, like it, yeah. how and 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 then and then you get on a soapbox and you start to bitch like, mm-hmm. "Fuck, you that's didn't the vote." Best. That's the worst. Shut part, the right? fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your opinion is first of all anybody's opinion on social media, please. Please, thank you. Oh, Love, what do you think about podcasts? Let's go to Facebook and find out. Oh, oh yeah, serious shit. Just go through your, oh, go through your feed. Oh my lord, please don't. <laughs> do you think anybody about anything wants to hear any complaint about? Oh please, yeah. everybody got their own problems. We are dealing with it our own ways. Yeah. Please stop posting anything online. Yeah, but, but at the same time, please don't ever stop posting things online because that is our voice. That is our Gutenberg's printing press. You know. You well, know. I don't know. I have. I I think that sometimes what you read online i i think we need to have uh, uh i think really we really need to scrutinize information yeah. Yeah. I, I think that we can't just digest yeah. information because it's on the internet and think that it's true i think we need to where is this coming from yeah you know and and is this real Absolutely. and is this influencing the way that i am going to vote yeah um we need to be informed voters and i think a lot of people are not yeah that's for damn sure so yeah. on the one hand people don't vote and on the other hand people vote and they completely are uninformed you know yeah that's what it, or or vote just out of fear um and i don't know how to fix that especially with the age of information because i don't want to filter anything you know i yeah. i'm i'm from the kind of mind where let it all be out there—the good and the bad. Well, it's it's not about we filtering, filter in them. but if we should be if, if you're going to be taking information, mm-hmm. look for the source. Like, where is this coming from? Like, that I believe comes from that us, I believe that there was a story that was going on about Hillary having like a a sweatshop where we, she was yeah. keeping people That's in right, a yeah. basement. Um, the pizza thing too. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, follow the story. Mm-hmm. Is it really legitimate? Is it really something that's going on? But or that is that yeah. is completely up to that person. Like, how many people look at something and they just see the uh, clickbait? Right. That's where that mm-hmm. comes from. From clickbait. people just seeing the headlines, don't I, even I, read I've, the article. I've, I've fallen for that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus. Some it's, but you know yeah. that this these algorithms are psychologically mm-hmm. based. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, you you look at yeah. a, the headline. It makes you want to read more, but a lot of people don't even read more what the actual the article is actually about. They just see the headline, they scroll through, and then they they repeat what they they saw, what they thought they saw. Yeah, and that that's kind of how you that where how are we going to force people to have that need for ambition for information? How are we going to do that? I don't know how to do that. Thirst for better parents, <laughs> thirst I for knowledge, don't right? Know. You know, I you know I Look don't for the truth. I don't know if I don't know if psychologically people want. To know the truth. To know, yeah. I think That's people. Another That's another I mean, I, I think going back to an aphorism of the Greeks is 
that the best government is a benevolent dictatorship yeah. where the people can be told what to do so yeah. that they don't we have to just, think, right? Just, yeah. So I, I, I think that uh, there is this fundamental and underlying desire hey, know, where we, we, don't, we don't have to think. Hey, guy. <laughs> where we don't have to think and kind of like we're like the masses, right? Yeah. We kind of be led kind of where we need to go. And that's how masses are. Masses yeah. are. One of my favorite quotes, um, it's love your country always, but love your government only when they deserve it. And I think that's yeah. the really subtle difference that people don't understand because people are so quick to, because the government sucks. Everybody fucking knows the government. But they're so quick to defile our country along with it. And it's not necessarily the same thing. There's the, you remember that commercial with Jeff Daniels when he was doing that show and he has something about, like, why is America the greatest country? So, oh, so uh, college, news, was it Newsroom? Newsroom. And a college mm-hmm. student asked, why is America the greatest country? And he goes through this whole list of facts of why we're not, right? Oh, why yeah. are we the last in uh, literacy? We're the, you know, this, you know, you're missing the point. The whole point, I hate that commercial because you're missing the point. Because it's the equivalent of, like, a regular guy just saying, uh, to, oh, my dad is the strongest dad in the world. Like, well, no, there was a strongest dad in the world conversation. The other day. Oh, you're taking it literal, son. <laughs> to this kid, the idea of his father being the most powerful or the strongest dad or the coolest dad or whatever the hell, that's what that represents. And that's yeah. kind of what this country represents. Like, this is the best country in the world. Absolutely. Because the ideas for that basis being true is there. It, yeah. It's not... We can go through the facts of which country statistically is better in this arena or in that arena. That doesn't matter. You're missing the point. The point is you have a passion and the idea for this being a, a wonderful country is there. In, in spite, and not, not in regard to this, but in spite of our political leaders, you know? You know, and I, I work with a lot of people who come from other countries and who sometimes go through pretty significant struggles and I firmly do believe, I, I agree with you, Steve, that I think we are we are one of the great countries Absolutely. of the world. I, I wouldn't necessarily say we are the greatest. No, and I love my country and I serve my country. Um, I, and I, I think that as any true um, person who really loves this country, mm-hmm. I... I'm very, American. <laughs> I'm very critical of this country because I want it to be greater. Absolutely. You know? That's how so, we should look at it, right? So I, I don't want to let rest on the laurels that we are, we've gotten there, that we've arrived. Yeah. I want to say that we have the pot, the potential to move even even more better. forward and, and become even better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, exactly exactly what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Man, this wine is good. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. My yeah. speech is starting to slur. <laughs> that guy was really cool then. Yeah. The Syrahs are amazing. They're yeah. strong. Syrahs are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the wolf. I think that's what's doing it for me. The wolf head. <laughs> the aerator. <laughs> yeah. The aerator. Hey, that does the trick. St. Patrick's trick. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. No, this is a great time. I, you know, <laughs> for everybody at home, this episode was supposed to be Guillermo del Toro themed completely, but we've just skewed oh, away from. So, for those of you who read the uh, the podcast description, <laughs> yeah. we have now devolved into politics. <laughs> it's fine. I actually love where this conversation has gone. Notice it's I great. said devolved, devolved not yes. ascended. <laughs> I, I think politics just gets us to the. The very deepest, most uh, primeval yeah. sort of uh, insecurities. Yeah, um, yeah, a little bit. But of that, yeah. but I think that um, 
Uh, well, if we could go back to yeah. uh, popular culture, I, I think that um, I do think that uh, what we are experiencing now is something that uh, we are sensing in some films. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at, uh, have you watched Black Panther? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the very first Marvel movies, and I think it goes back to the comic book itself mm -hmm. that has a very political overtone. Yeah, I, I think that popular culture can reflect what we are experiencing Absolutely. politically. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really love about that movie is that it basically takes what was happening in inner cities, i.e., L.A., yeah, in a time that was very racially charged, yeah. and then show you what what uh, a culture can look like that's completely unfiltered by that politics. Now, the ironic part about that yeah. is we were talking about this oh, last week. The ironic that Wakanda is literally Trump's America. <laughs> it's anti-immigration. Anti-immigration. Anti right. Nobody could come in. It has a wall. It has a wall. <laughs> it's only, it deals with itself and its own barriers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is yeah. the greatest country. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Right? They made Wakanda great again. <laughs> we make Wakanda great again. That's the ironic part about yeah. it. No, but I, I think you're right. This is a step in the direction. It, it's weird because it's not like there hasn't been. It, we're super, superhero movies specifically, right? Because there's a, a fandom, a nerddom that comes yeah. along with it. And, and black people in general have this thing where we stay. they stay away from um, that kind of thing that has. Uh, I, what do you think? Is it attitude or uh, away from the subculture of the nerddom? Because it's not right. like you have a lot of black superhero shows. And that's kind of the problem because there's so many black superhero nerds, you know, that, that like so many of the, you go on YouTube channels, mm -hmm. uh, Blurred is a, you know, black nerd. Uh, he's very famous in the YouTube world where he talks about uh, reviews comic books specifically. Yeah. And, and, and there's so, it's such a minority of the characters itself in this world. So I think it's great that you're finally getting one popular enough to make a billion dollars. So we have, we've had Spawn before. We've had uh, not we. I'm not black. I'm sorry. But we, uh, they. Um, I don't. Uh, this is sound weird. Can I say they've had? <laughs> it does, they've right? <laughs> well, uh, well, African Americans have a, you know uh, to be funny with it. Blank Man and Meteor Man. But or, but in reality, or, Spawn Blade has been very successful. It's Blade. the the franchises have been there for a black superhero. But Black Panther has really hit on a soul. Uh, I think it's just the right time. You think it is, that's what it is? The timing? A little bit of everything. Definitely. I think it's yeah. the timing, yeah. Involving, you know, to bring it back, this current administration, right? Maybe yeah. the people are, this is the backlash to that. Well, you know, this is an administration that basically called Wakanda yeah. a shithole country. Yeah. I mean, great, I mean, great I mean that, that, that's yep. essentially fundamentally what what this administration said about Wakanda which Absolutely. is which in in the Marvel universe it's actually the the negation of a yeah. shithole country Absolutely. it's actually the ideal country yeah but yeah. it's so ideal that you can't find it on yeah. the map well even that was the great joke at the end of the movie you saw the yeah. movie right mm -hmm. you know how they have like uh, what is this bio, uh, you're gonna open up your board it was the end, end credit scene you're opening up your borders to it this is at the UN but by all due respect what does a third world nation have to do with giving you know, what do you have to offer us and then yes. this is a wry smile or a smirk that, mm -hmm. that, that happens it's the best scene in the movie yeah. if you really think about it politically because they're right they're so easy to quick disregard you know, Wakanda is representative of all the African nations obviously. you are a black country yeah. In the middle of Africa, what can you, you give offer us? us? Like, what what are you contributing? <laughs> the cradle right? of life. Yeah, <laughs> and and yet, um, uh, 
I lost my train of thought, uh-huh. but I'm going to try to the, get the value it back. That but they bring are, but, you know, but uh, I, I think that if you, if you look at how popular culture reflects kind of what we're going through politically, um, I think that that movie does a really, really good job of, of, of exemplifying what, what a lot of this country's own issues with racism have mm-hmm. been. And, uh, and I really liked it because I thought right. that it showed um, just on the human level, you know, how you can have uh, a character who represents a marginalized racial minority mm-hmm. that, that has the potential for all of these great things. Um, you know, going back to uh, even Superman, who is essentially not even a human being. Yeah. Your he favorite not character, right? My favorite character. Yeah. He's not even, you know, he's not really even a human being. He's not even a, uh, from this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's essentially an immigrant, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, he's absolutely. coming from a planet who is destroyed, yeah. comes here and has to integrate and has to adapt yes. uh, culturally, emotionally, physically to all of the things that it needs for that person to adapt to this world and then become the greatest example of everything that it means to be human. Right. I, I, I think that that is something that I wish that more people in this country, especially in the United States, could really connect to. That it's that person who may be coming from the border mm-hmm. and you don't know what their circumstances are. And I don't want to, I don't want to condone that we can't violate laws of immigration, mm-hmm. but you do have to have an understanding of why it is that they want to cross a border I kind of do, and honestly. take the risk to come here Yeah. when historically human beings have migrated. I mean, thinking of that's Syria, that's human beings migrate yeah. when they feel that they are threatened and they yeah. need to find life somewhere a else. A better life somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I actually do think we should, you know, okay, laws, but we know there's a difference between laws and morality, 100%. And yeah. slavery was a law. doesn't mean it was right. When it comes to immigration, I'm really, really in the proponent of, like, this is not, this is one law I'm easy, I can easily dismiss or disregard. I 100 believe in that. I, what, because I was born one mile south and not one mile north, and that right. all of a sudden changes my yeah. rights as a human being. Yeah. That's bullshit to me, and I honestly feel that. And uh, and, and the same goes, you know, with the with our you know our neighbors to the north, so in Canada, they have extremely strict immigrant laws. Yeah. And I, to well, me, yeah. you know, I just watched a show, um, a British show. Um, I'm, I I can't remember the name of the show. But we, we have a VPN and we sometimes watch shows from Great Britain and actually even Britain has some pretty like draconic rules about mm-hmm. immigration. Yeah. Like they have actually colonies that they create where they put you in and you can be there for years. Oh, wow. And 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 eventually they deport you. Yeah. I mean, I think that on the whole, I think we're pretty progressive. Yeah. We have problems, but looking at the way that other countries deal with immigration. Yeah. Even Great Britain, which I can consider Great Britain to be a pretty progressive country. I'm well, like, 
Look at wow. the most safest you countries in the world. You guys are pretty harsh. Yeah, but look at the safest countries in the world. Norway, yeah. uh, Denmark. All these are extremely anti-immigration. Yeah. Which is... Other yeah. problems. Uh, if you're against that ideology, by all means, yeah. if you're, it really is a, a difference between what you want more: safety or freedom. One hundred percent. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And who was that uh, famous person that said, like, if, if you're willing to sacrifice one for the other, you don't deserve either? I forgot. This is one of our forefathers that said that. I forgot the name, and I apologize for that. But uh, Jefferson. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Jeff- I, I, it might have been. He's often misquoted. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it was one of our forefathers that said it. But yeah, but it's it's relevant. And yeah, you, you can have the safest country you want in the world, but you're sacrificing so much more. You're sacrificing culture of other people's involvement, yeah. which is, you know. Back to that Superman thing you made. There's a great thing I had on. Uh, I wrote, like, I was really a dork about it, but one of my college papers was on. Mm-hmm. I had two th- college papers, and, and both of them had to do with superheroes. That's how much of a fucking geek I was. But one was on <laughs> Batman and the Punisher, and how, like, Batman, the the basically the traumatic incidents that happened to Batman when he was a young child. That's why he's so anti taking life because when you're a kid, killing is black and white, and when you're the Punisher and you're a veteran, it happens to you. Killing yeah. is like whatever to you because you're already, you know, tainted. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, I mean, is yeah. it tainted? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but well, I mean, it's for me to yeah. decide, I guess. Yeah. But it's just easier for you, or it's, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think to... that that's the hallmark of a superhero like mm-hmm. Superman, and even Batman, who does not use a gun. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, that's very much a fundamental aspect of the superhero. Yeah. I do not use a gun, yeah. and I do not kill the super, the arch villain. I don't kill the arch villain. Yeah. Right. I I I I incarcerate him. I believe in rehabilitation, but I do not kill the villain. And I felt that was a, a, a young mentality, a kid mentality, honestly, yeah. because that's when morality is the most black and white. Because in re- as an adult, you would probably think of kill one to save millions, that right. kind of mentality. Yeah. But and that's probably what the Punisher thinks, right? Well, the second one I wrote was from my point I was getting to is, was on Superman and Captain America and how they represented the American dream. Both of them each represented two sides of the American dream because you have – the guy who grew up, uh, you have the the crossover, the flyover states, right? The middle of America. Flyover states. Yeah, Kansas. Middle. I know exactly the, which states those <laughs> yes, are. are. <laughs> corn fed, corn fed, yeah. red, red, white boy, yeah. right? You have, you have, uh, and he's even got the dark hair like an immigrant should, right? The dark hair, that kind of thing. And Stephen Rogers, the one who grew up with blonde hair, but he he's the one that happens to be in the Bronx, in New York, where immigrants are supposed to go to, right? right but right. he's the one that represents the born and raised there. Mm-hmm. And he represents this side of America where it's the, uh, like, if, if anything, the, ro- the role should have been reversed. Superman should have been the one that lands in the Bronx because he's the immigrant, that he represents the American dream as an immigrant. And Steve Rogers, Captain America, represents the American dream as a cornfed white boy. Kind of like clean the cut traditional. Group. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. the John Wayne type of guy, right. that kind of uh-huh. thing, excuse me. And that it was funny how those roles were reversed. And he even has the Steve Rogers has the blonde hair, blue eyes, and Clark Kent has the dark hair, dark eyes. And, but they, the roles were reversed. But they still represent each aspect of the American dream. Yeah. The one that was born and raised here in the middle of America with home home fed values, and the one that came with immigrant values with the with what their parents instilled from the, from the old country. Right. And and I I just love those two aspects. I grew up in this part of America where. That's the Boy Scouts. Both of them are known as the Boy Scouts, you know? The Boy Scouts. Well, you know, yeah, they, they fundamentally represent that ideal, idealized sort of America. Um, uh, but uh, 
I mean, I just watched, I think it was a couple of days ago, I, I, I bought Man of Steel, mm-hmm. the, the movie, and I watched it, and I had bought the DVD before, and then it was defective. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, here's the thing about buying DVDs. Sometimes I buy DVDs, but I don't actually get to watch them until months later. Yeah. And I think Amazon has like a 30-day policy to return. Oh, yeah. So, so I, couldn't re- I couldn't return <laughs> it. So I would watch Man of Steel. And about the part where it, got, it gets in the beginning to like the attack on Krypton where Zod is basically t- trying to take control yeah the movie would freeze <laughs> and i couldn't like get it like i would have to fast forward yeah you'd miss quite a, a few scenes just to uh to continue to watch the dvd so i just finally threw it out and i just bought it again yeah um finally i was able to buy it again after it went um it went on um on Amazon for mm-hmm. like nine ninety nine. Right, right. Whatever the cheaper. So I, I, I sit through the movie and I watch the whole movie, and I was really amazed. Um, I, 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 you know, it's. It, I have such a love affair for Superman. Yeah. I, I you know, I. I, I think, think he gets a bad rap, and I, and I'm a big he, fan. There's of this guy, uh, this this Italian. Um, uh, uh, what is he? Um, uh, is he? Uh, um, he's a scholar, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, uh, his name is Umberto Eco, and mm-hmm. he's written a lot about Superman as a as a superhero. And um, I've read Umberto Eco, but one of the things that I love about this this character of Superman is that, and I think that Zack Snyder, I, I you know, I think that Superman, Man of Steel. Is essentially going to be one of those movies that I think later on With time. Yeah. is going to really be loved and appreciated. But watching through the movie, I was struck by how Superman is actually the traditional superhero movie shows you the superhero becoming the superhero. Yeah. So it shows you the the human or the frailty building up to the unconquerable superhero right. and then taking on the persona or the costume of the hero mm-hmm. but what's really fascinating about superman is that the entire story culminates with him becoming clark kent that's a good one. so clark kent is actually mm-hmm. the costume absolutely Super he- Superman is actually born and he is brought to Earth in the cloak. Yeah. Right? That is his Kryptonian identity. Mm-hmm. It is actually the point where he becomes Clark Kent that he is Clark Kent, the actual alter ego. Clark Kent is almost his representation of what he sees human beings as. He becomes the human being. Yeah, the human. And I think that Zack Snyder, if you watch Man of Steel, the very final episode, you know, the whole middle and uh, beginning yeah. and middle of the movie is him becoming Superman. Right. But it's the very final scene the act, yeah. where he becomes Clark Kent. Yeah, you're right. Where yeah. he actually becomes the human being. Hmm. And that that him trying to relate to us, the human being, is what he aspires to become. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good that's a good way to think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that we're humanity. Maybe we are worth saving after yeah. all. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In his eyes, we are. Uh, hey, man, we're coming to the end of this. This was, oh, man, I had a lot of fun. Jose, thank you so much. Oh, Steve. This was it's, a great conversation. It's a pleasure. I, I was afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was afraid I did. I was not going to have anything to talk about. No, I dare you. I, you, know. you know, I, I have to tell you something, Steve. I sure miss you. Oh, me too, I Jose. would. We would have these conversations mm. like in the middle of my uh, of my work day. Yeah. Like I would find some time <laughs> in the middle of a of a client having kind of a a, 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 a meltdown. Yeah, nervous breakdown. And, and I would find Steve just to connect and. And just to take my mind off the this, the reality yeah. of, of the work that I do. Yeah. And uh, I think that this conversation was very much like that. Uh, I, dude, I, I, honestly, I was I afraid I wasn't going to have anything to talk about. No. And look, look at us. No, now. no, no, yeah. no, no, no. I miss you too, man. I, I, that place <laughs> in general, I really loved working there. I loved uh, talking to these clients, especially the 5150s. I, I, I wanted a way to connect. I don't know. I, I really, really do miss being there. And I and I try to go there as much as I can, yeah. but the schedule's so busy. But I do I make my you. way once a week. Yeah, and, and for your regular viewers who, who really expect the the raunch uh, that I maybe was not able to deliver, <laughs> uh, I, I, I can. Yeah. I just... <laughs> I can. I, I I'm very much able to do that, but I just uh, I I think that this was no, on another level for I'm, me, and I'm, I was able to talk to, to I, Steve about. I promise you, this uh, is the great. things that I really am passionate about, and the things that really, really move me, and and um, and uh, mean a lot to me. Absolutely. So, yeah. well, we and I am it. very honored that that you asked me to be on your I, podcast. I, I, I promise you, this is this came out good, and our fans will love it because we, we. I hope you know, so. No, 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 no. You're, you're well, if you know, it. if you don't love it, it's a podcast. You can just fast forward or <laughs> or move to the next episode. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Uh, lovely. Any last minutes? How did you feel about that conversation? Hey, that sorry, I hardly gave you a word. No, no, no. Like, like again, like I like listening. That, that's like my Thank thing. He, he's like, legitimately more of the producer. The, the yeah. show, but he, he, okay. he, you know, he's a good. Like, Sorry, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, like it, it's a treat for me because I, I, I absorb, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. there's always like, and that's the thing about conversations. There's yeah. always, you know, things, you know, being exchanged, and I just kind of get a little, little like glimpses of it here and there, yeah. and it, it sticks, you know. Thank you. Like, and you're wearing the good. T-shirt of the man that I wish would have been president. <laughs> oh, Al Gore, Gore Gorbachev. Like, uh, oh, maybe, maybe both. It would have been better than the current. Maybe. <laughs> Either one would have been better. As they right. say, you know, we have a we have a a, a college, a, an electoral college, uh -huh. which can basically check that even though the majority of the people vote yeah. for a candidate. Um, we're gonna go with the electoral <laughs> votes. That was cute. Thanks for your vote, guys. <laughs> that was Thank cute. you. It was nice, oh, no. but you know it doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a, is it marriage? Are we married? That's how I feel. No, no I'm kidding. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, but Gorvidal, yeah. what a great guy. I mean, hey, what an amazing right. human being. Uh, I, um, I, 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 I hope that your viewers uh, or your listeners. Viewers, listeners, <laughs> <laughs> that they, um, they they enjoyed this podcast, and it, it meant a lot to me that you asked me to be on. No, please, anytime. You are welcome anytime. Please yeah. welcome back. Uh, I appreciate. It. I'll let you know when this comes out. It'll probably be about a month from now, huh? No problem. problem. 
Yeah. I don't know how many or or if it to. comes out, because yeah. I don't know if you, it's maybe gonna your producers <laughs> will not find this, <laughs> no. you know, Snooze and Booth podcast worthy. You're, I don't know. You're underrating yourself. This was a great conversation. <laughs> I'm telling you, this was great, Jose. You're the best, man. I swear to God. Oh, thank you. I uh, appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, any last minute things before I close up? Oh, shit. I, I think I tried to touch up on it, but I just kind of lost uh, my train of thought. So Okay, we don't. I, I'm just glad to have been a part of it. Great, man. I appreciate you. Thank Jose, you. Thank you. And I mean what I said. You're welcome. Anytime you don't want to do this again, we're going to do this. We can make this a, 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 you know, a quarterly thing. You know, let's do that. Well, you know? uh, that that would be, I again, I would be honored. Um, as long as you get good reviews on this, yeah, on this episode, um, I, I'm very happy to talk to you yeah. about the things that I, that I, that I'm passionate about. Absolutely. And um, I love geek culture. And uh, yeah, I think that. the next thing that, I would be very excited to talk about would be uh, I don't know Infinity Infinity Gauntlet I, I and I uh, cannot wait for that film the, uh, yeah. the Infinity Wars and uh, yeah I, I, I love the Marvel universe I bet and this I love episode, the DC universe this I bet this yeah. episode will come out by the time Infinity War comes out so we'll, okay we'll, we'll definitely we'll we'll recap to that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thank right. you I uh, know thank you but <laughs> okay this has been Snooze and Booze we have been bringing you tears fears and pretty good cheers. Gotcha. Sorry.